Blog Talk Radio. Listening to Evolution Radio. Visit MakeMoreCommerce.com for more remedies with Joey L, where remedy meets preparation. As I said, this book demonstrates that, that we are not as different as we like to think that we are. So what I'm going to go over real brief right now is what the attributes are of the good black woman. Since she's not on television, we may not recognize her. Okay. Now, the good black woman has seven attributes, and then I'm going to explain to you how to utilize those in your day-to-day life. The good black woman has self-discipline, courteousness, cheerfulness, self-respect, intelligence, cleanliness, and love. Now, we've heard those, that terminology. You know, it's like one of those where they tell you, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. What do that mean? You know, how, how can I make that functional in my day-to-day life to benefit me as a practice? It sounds like all theory. Where is practicum? What do I do? The good black woman has self-discipline. That's self-control. Let me make that real for you, sisters. We can start with our mouth. The good black woman can control her mouth. She don't have to say everything that comes up. It's okay if he get the last word sometime. You know. She don't cuss in public. And she works on not cussing in private. She don't tear a man down with her mouth because they can't out argue her. Can't nobody out argue her. I have charged that we nag our men too much. We keep our men's head tied up so much with our petty grievances about our personal relationship that he don't have time to think and plan for our future. Because he got to deal with what's going to happen with us every day. You know, it's, it's real life. When the black man come home, he almost has to do a wind test or stick his toe in the door. He don't know what's waiting. He don't know who in there today. possibility that there's some kind of new monster that he didn't even know about yesterday. <laughs> so, you know, we, we need to not make it like that. We need to not be so vicious with our mouth. You know, men are not petty like that. They're not going to out-argue us. And it has been proven that verbal abuse is just as harmful as physical abuse. So let's not use our mouth to do that to him. The good black woman is courteous. She says, thank you, baby. I appreciate you doing that. I appreciate every effort you make. Try harder. I'm going to work with you. Thank you. I know you did your best. Now, that's a whole new language. But just to say that during the course of the day, every day, with the man that you're trying to be with or want to be with will make our life easier. We can't get it if we don't give it. We keep wanting them to give us and do something for us that we refuse to do and give to them. It don't work like that. The good black woman has self-respect. She don't have to go out naked just to get the attention of a man. 
I have sisters all over the country, and they, and they come up to me uh, after the lectures, and they'll be talking to me, and they'll say, well, you know, uh, all he think about is sex. All he think about is my body. I say, why don't you show him something else? Right. And then here's the really good one. They'll come up, and they'll have on uh, a weave. They have on false eyelashes, another whole face, false fingernails, and all of that. And then they'll say, but I'm looking for a real man. The good black woman can pull her dress down without thinking that it devalues her. She doesn't have to use her body because she has so many other good attributes about herself to get the attention of a man. We can take the sisters, the sisters in a position to take all of the charge uh, and sexual energy out of the black community by just dressing differently. We have the power and control over that. That don't stop you from being beautiful. You from getting a man, and it certainly puts things on the right perspective so some other judgments can be made other than physical. Don't take no knowledge, wisdom, and understanding to have a sexual reaction. That's the most base. We spend less time doing that than anything else we do. Doing that than anything else we do. So, you know, that doesn't always have to be the forefront issue. We know we are capable of that. The good black woman has intelligence, meaning that she knows how to behave properly in the streets. She's not in the wrong place. Some of our women don't know what else to do other than go to the bar. They need some activities. Some of our women thinking that staying home on the weekend is some kind of sin. Some of our women think that if they don't have a new outfit to wear every day, that they go self-destruct. <laughs> you know, we, we have a lot of just that kind of nonsense going. Uh, every time we buy new outfits and clothes or whatever, all we're doing is sending money out of our community. We don't own no clothing store. If the white man closed the shoe factory, we'd all be here barefooted tonight. We don't own no shoe factory. You know, very base things that we don't own that we put our money into and demand we have to have them. A lot of times our men look at us and know that he ain't never going to be able to make enough money to give us all of the things we say we want. And don't no man want to be with no woman who he constantly got to deny her the things that she says she wants. And that represents failure to him, to have to always, you know, not be able to provide us with what we ask for. One of the ways we can do that is to start being satisfied with less. You know, the good black woman is clean. Now that's a hard one. The good black woman try to keep the house clean. Good black woman is clean by her own body. You know, a lot of those things we kind of take for granted, but all of our people don't know about that. There are people who are angry with me because I even describe the fact that some of us as sisters are, are, don't have the proper personal hygiene as if that don't exist. We have too much falsehood and pretense going about our condition. Everybody that's dressed up ain't clean. the truth. We have to look at our condition in the light of truth.
start reacting emotionally and pretending that just because we don't want to, one of the most difficult things that I deal with out here is trying to teach our people the difference between an actual fact and an opinion. Our people think that they can accept or reject truth based on how they feel about it. Your feelings don't change the truth. The truth is just going to be there. You can feel any kind of way you want to feel about it. Those are just, those kind of emotions have kept us from growing. Because anything we don't like, we just reject that and say, well, I don't believe that. That don't mean that it's not the truth. It just makes you a disbeliever. <laughs> the good black woman uh, practices non-possessive loving. Now, y'all know that's a hard one. Now, envy is wanting what someone else has. And jealousy, of course, is just selfishness. Uh, non-possessive loving is not an easy one for us to practice. And, uh, of course, I have a lot of sisters and some brothers who are in disagreement with me saying that. But the actual fact is that our men are outnumbered about five to one. And nature is going to require that the men take responsibility for more than one woman and her children. Most of our men have children by more than one woman anyway. So I don't know why that was such a surprise, allegedly, when I said that. The black man has not been waiting on me to tell him he could have more than one woman. I'm in agreement with the rest of y'all. I don't think he should do that, but I fell like you did. There are some things perhaps about the nature of our man that we have been given some definitions about that are not true. There are some things he can do that we call him a dog. We do not have the same capabilities as a man. I am not talking about fornication and adultery. That's something else. I'm talking about actual responsibility of fatherhood and husbandhood of another family. That's quite different from fornication and adultery. We don't have the same capabilities of them. That's right. A man can have two homes two sets of in-laws, he can eat dinner at two houses, two sets of children, two garages, two separate sets of friends attached to that woman. He can have all of that. We can't do that. We can't cook dinner at two houses. We can't sleep with one man four nights a week and another one three. Ain't no man going to agree with that. We can't have one set of children. We leave in one place and go and stay in another place and take care of another set. It doesn't work for us. Now, that does not mean that we can't have sex with more than one man. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just taking responsibility for your children. Now, certainly every man can't take financial responsibility for all of his children. He can do something. But a man who is spending time with a child is going to do something for it. Because then they'll find out what we have since we've been taking care of them by ourselves. You don't like to always say, no, I can't do it. No, I ain't got it. So they, the children will make you get it up. You spend some time with it. You know, that, that's an important thing. Uh, the effectiveness of the principles that I just described, their usefulness has not diminished just because modern opinion has changed about them. There is not a black man in this room who does not still enjoy it if his woman bake him a cake. Well, our young daughters are being raised and taught that that's old style and that's out of fashion. We are not making those rules. Somebody else is, and they're imposing them on us and making us think that we have to qualify under them. 
I tell the brothers, just like I tell the sisters, if you have a woman that you've been working with for months or years, and uh, you can't get that woman to get in agreement with your program, then get rid of her and get another one. And I tell the sisters the same thing. If you're with a man you can't agree with, don't make his life miserable. Get with a man you can agree with. But we spend too much time living in hell with each other. We spend too much time tearing each other down, trying to make the other person do different or function different. If you want somebody to change, first change yourself. We set the example. We are the teacher. We are the mother. We set the example. Heat makers, heat makers, crack music, crack Right about this time, I like to say a prayer for everyone out there. Bow your heads. To all the sinners all over the world. Pray for you all. I could dig it. Uh-huh. Pray for me, I pray for you. I even pray for my enemies, so girl. Where I'm from, we don't live long. Summertime and dark in the daytime Where I'm from I've seen all the toughest niggas fall And I swear it didn't take time I watch niggas go and change it in no time They gon' try to throw shade so we don't shine We gon' go and fight the rollies for the whole time They don't wanna see you shine, we don't bear no We got fresh watching the depth of that era I'm from that, come up a short smack you and your man era Running around a thousand grams inside a hundred grand Carrera Rockin' two G's, a couple grand on a sweater Add em up, these is Gucci mathematics To get some fresh ears, I will pump like an asthmatic I'm just running down a list of things I hit the tool, I got the watch, I gotta get the ring I'm still flying through Harlem, you think the whip had wings And everybody got the throne until they hit the king That nigga speaking malice But he's so valid, he sent out hits like Khaled The tickets top off in that Maybach Forgive me, God, don't let me say that. Chill. But Lord knows I've been to hell, I'm on my way back. I'm coming. I ride dirty in that barn for that payback. Where I'm from, it's still getting cold in the summertime and dark in the daytime. Where I'm from, I've seen all the toughest niggas fall, and I swear it didn't take time. I watch niggas go and change, it in no time. They gon' try to throw shade, so we don't shine. We gon' go and fight the rollies for the whole time. Uh, you can't call God when you fuck with the wrong devil. Go, go. They 
underrated my greatness Anti-lame, I'm not related to fake shit uh-uh. never to live broke, we stay rich Red stop fly, we young killers, go ape shit hey, I'm fine Getting cold in the summertime and dark in the daytime. But I'm from. I seen all the toughest niggas fall, and I swear it didn't take time. I watch niggas go and change, it ain't no time. They gon' try to throw shade, so we don't shine. We gon' go and try to roll it for the whole time. They don't wanna see you shine, we gon' bend the Is this you discussing Indian blood? We're going to judge people by whether they have Indian blood, whether they're qualified to run a gaming casino or not? Uh, I, that probably is me, absolutely. Because I'll tell you what, if you look, if you look at some of the reservations that you've approved, you, sir, and your great wisdom have approved, I will tell you right now, uh, they don't look like Indians to me. And they don't. From the House of Representatives, the 59th Congress, Second Session, Citizenship of the United States, Expatriation, and Protection Abroad, Letter from the Secretary of State, Submitting Report on the Subject of Citizenship, Expatriation, and the Protection Abroad. Page 459, Section Morocco. Morocco. Sir, there are strictly speaking no Moroccan laws relating to the citizenship of Moorish subjects in Morocco. The fundamental laws of this non-Christian country are based entirely upon the Islamic code, no part of which treats of the subject of citizenship. Page 460. There are, however, numerous treaties and conventions between the various Christian countries and the Moorish Empire, by means of which citizenship in this country is defined. But, as I understand, from the above acknowledged instructions, that it is not the desire of the Department to call for a report upon such lines, I will therefore confine these remarks to general conditions existing, which may possibly be of some use in connection with the information desired. Section 1. Citizenship in Morocco may be said to be governed by the laws pertaining to the same in other countries, with the exception that all persons residing in Morocco who cannot prove foreign citizenship or protection are considered ipso juer as Moorish subjects. 2 and 3. Moorish subjects 
lost their nationality only by becoming naturalized in or protected by another country having treaty relations with the Moorish Empire. It was established by the Convention of Madrid, concluded July 3rd, 1880, as follows. Article 15. Any subject of Morocco who has been naturalized in a foreign country and who shall return to Morocco shall, after having remained for a length of time equal to that which shall have been regularly necessary for him to obtain such naturalization, choose between entire submission to the laws of the empire and the obligation to quit Morocco, unless it shall be proved that his naturalization in a foreign country was obtained with the consent of the government of Morocco. Foreign naturalization heretofore acquired by subjects of Morocco according to the rules established by the laws of each country shall be continued to head them as regards all its effects without any restriction. The above ruling has never yet been acted upon, and should this at any time be contemplated seriously, a large number of naturalized people, American and others residing in Morocco, would be affected thereby. 4 and 5. Residence in foreign parts does not affect the nationality of Moorish subjects, and the Moorish government has no means of protecting its subjects permanently residing in other countries, with the exception of a so-called Moorish consul at Gibraltar and a Moorish agent at Cairo, Egypt. I am ETC Hoffman Phillip. Google United States Code Title 22, Chapter 2, Section 141. Consular Courts. Act August 1, 1956. Repealed Sections 141 to 143, effective upon the date which the President determined to be appropriate for the relinquishment of jurisdiction of the United States in Morocco. Jurisdiction of the United States in Morocco was relinquished by memorandum of President Eisenhower dated September 15, 1956. Notice was given to Morocco on October 6, 1956, and all pending cases were disposed of by 1960. See Bulletin of the State Department, Volume 35, colon 909, page 844. Sections 141, R.S. Sections 4083, 4125, 4126, 4127, Act June 14, 1878, Chapter 193, 20 Statute 131, related to judicial authority generally of ministers and consuls of United States in China, Siam, Turkey, Morocco, Muscat, Abyssinia, Persia, and territories formerly part of the Ottoman Empire, including Egypt. 
is uh, Vashar, and he also knows that North America or the America North America is known as Al Maghreb Al Aqsa. Of course, I know that North America was known as Al Maghreb Al Aqsa, and it reported to the Sultan of Morocco. And there was a relation. This is why I needed to ask you, what's the relation between the first, you know, colonials? and the uh, uh, governors of Morocco because they con con communicated because in on paper it was part of Greater Morocco. That's known. That's known. But I, I, I need and Bashar's to know. from Jordan. Yes. Palestinian. Yes. And he Palestinian, knows Jordanian, Arab, Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Seed. We know that we one of the seeds of Moses. Yeah. So, 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 so you're from. So, where are you from again? I was born in. I was born in the island Martinique, French island. Mm -hmm. Of course, we are descendants of from Egyptian. 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 Yes. Okay. So over there, they still refer to our people as Moors, correct? Yes. So why do you think over here in America, these same people who are brought from the same land, yes, when we tell them that they're Moors, what what why, why do you think that is? Because, why? because the, uh, um, after so many generations, if it's not cast down, you will lose. So therefore, listen good what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. A man that do not know his own identity, when he is giving one, he will simply believe. Mm -hmm. He will simply believe what he's not. You're right. So therefore, you will act as a stranger to your own identity. Because you only believe on somebody after you that. Yeah. So you act opposite to truly what you are. Yeah. Do you think do you think it's more pressure because of the economic power? I guess the European have put the laws on so they just believe. Hey, it's that that's that's what it is. We're we're no we're blacks now. We're blacks. Like does that make sense? Like you're just a color. You no, have no that, nationality. No, you that, have no history. That's, that's my point. If you was not starved now and you have to understand another to 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 I would say not a lie because everybody lies that is a thing of life, but how can I say that is uh deceived. Mm -hmm. To deceive, to deceive one, you have to replace, to take one thing out and replace it by another. Yeah. Therefore, okay. the blind, so the black is the black. So therefore, they just is their black, but they don't realize no, they, they stole your identity from you. So therefore, you might not know who you are. Yeah. So you just give your color black, black. What the yeah. heck is black? Yeah. Because what we're trying to tell them, like a lot of the things that are going on with our people with the injustice. It's because of the system and what they call themselves and what they recognize themselves. They don't. They don't have any law. They don't. There's no law for for black people in this country. Like you're not even supposed to be a part of this country. So therefore, what nation are you from? You see. But you like you said. You know when you take your history. You know. People will say, well, big deal. So what? Do you're listening to Evolution Radio. Visit MakeMoreCommerce.com for more remedies with Joey L. Where remedy meets preparation. Shatter me with 
Hey, Mabagari. Hold out a body, gon' lump a card. See you and I'm speak, I'm coming like I'm Cardi. I'll expose you niggas and bitches, I'm back in that mode and thing. You niggas is getting too big for you britches, you need some new clothes and things. Why everybody hit money bag? This the topic, nigga. Topic. AP on me, cost a bag. Water faucet, nigga. Never ever did some stuff shit like pay to take a nigga off a show. She a green like she a go. Mac on the fucking duck the hoe. Well, I got big fat. Big fat, big fat. You went about it the wrong way, so we can't fix it. I'm so scratched, she mad at you. So she come fuck me, forget that. Uh, uh. Next time you bring me up, just make sure you stay big fat. Tell the truth. Big fat, big fat, big fat, big fat. Big fat, big fat, big fat, big fat. Trying to shatter me with lies, I ain't with that. Tell the truth. Big fat, big fat, big fat, big fat. Big fat, big fat, real big fat. Why they mad? Cause I'm on fire and they ain't lit yet. What's that, what's that? Some more education. Here goes some more speculation. Here go. I took the money, went by me some guns. I like the bitch up like it's Vegas. Keyboard killer, tough on Twitter. Making posts, giving statements. Twitter. Niggas full of guns, PlayStation. Can't kill me, I'm a chaser. Yeah, gon' fed, Mason, Federal. Lock like dreads, Haitian. Haitian. You want my place? Take it. Take it. Get here with the drum, Katie. You ain't my partner, nigga. Only hang around up a solid nigga. Say they won't smoke, but when you see them, they none toxic, nigga. Ain't no pimp, but get your hoe. Before I knock a nigga. These little hitters wanna shoot them a movie, album, drop a nigga Draco, Draco, hit em, it goes flat Turn them in a play, don't lay on flat Drippin' in the outer with the hat Riding with it on me, never let any else's About what? Well, I got big fat Big fat, big fat You went about it the wrong way, so we can't fix it I'm so scratched, she mad at you So she come fuck me, forget back uh, uh. Next time you bring me up, just make sure you stay big fat Tell the truth Big fat, big fat, big fat, big fat Big fat, big fat, big fat, big fat Tryna shatter me with lies, I ain't with that Tell the truth Big fat, big fat, big fat, big fat, big fat, big fat, real big fat. Why they mad? Cause I'm on fire and they ain't lit yet. What's that? What's that? And it's big fat, big one. You see, there are two kinds of law. This is a subject I, I love. I've been talking talking about this for years. There are two kinds of law on the earth that rule the whole world, but most people don't know that. All over the world, all governments are ruled by what is called civil law. Civil law goes back to a Latin word, civili, which goes back to the word illi. Oh God, I mean, you go on for hours on this stuff. Civil law, which is called in all countries the law of the land. So you'll say, well, you can't do that because it's against the law of the land. The law of the land is civil law, Roman civil law, the law of the land. But there is a second law which also operates all over the earth identical. It's called UCC, Uniform Commercial Code. That is the law of God in the world of business. I don't care if you're in Japan, in Africa, in China, in, in Istanbul, Turkey. If you have a company, if you have a corporation, if you are doing business where you buy and sell and make money, you are operating on this earth under something called UCC, Uniform Commercial Code. Because if all countries worked on a different commercial code, then nobody could do business with anybody. You couldn't trust Japan to pay you. you Japan couldn't trust America to pay them for the cars. Because everybody has their own laws. Uh-uh. Under the Caesars of Rome, they established under Caesar that all nations in the empire that do business, everybody plays on a, on a level field. 
If you do business in Africa with China, you pay them. And if Africa does uh, uh, business with American companies, you pay them. You pay whatever it is you're doing business. You don't mess around. The most severe law in this world is called UCC, Uniform Commercial Code. It's the Bible of business on the earth. Uniform Commercial Code. Uniform Commercial Code is based directly on Vatican Canon Law, on the Roman Canon Law. Consequently, when a ship pulls into port, it pulls in and stops in its call in its berth. The ship is now in its berth. Because it is on the law of the high seas or commercial maritime, UCC commercial law rules the seas. So when the ship pulls into its berth, the first thing that the captain must do is to present a certificate of manifest to the port authorities, which means that the port authorities need to know how much is on this ship that you're bringing into our country and our economy. How many TVs, how many cars, uh, whatever you're bringing, how much are you bringing into our economy. So you have to have a certificate of manifest of what is the value of your ship here, what are you doing. Consequently, when you are born, you come out of your mother's water. Therefore, you must have a birth certificate, a certificate of manifest because you are a corporation-owned item. You are a human resource. This goes back to the German Nazi concept that every human coming out of their mother's water must be birthed. And therefore you have to have a certificate, a manifest, to see how much this individual is going to make for us in our new world order. I'm telling you that until you understand the laws the symbols, the emblems, what these words mean, you're never going to suspect how far gone we really are. Did you know, for instance, that your birth certificate is a security on the stock exchange in the New York stock market? Did you know that? Because if you order your birth certificate, get a new one, order your birth certificate, it only cost you, sometimes it's free, It'll only, only cost you a few dollars. Order your birth certificate. On your birth certificate, all birth certificates in this country, on the bottom, it will tell you this is printed on security papers. Do not accept if not on full-color security paper. Then on the right-hand corner, you will always have a series of numbers, red numbers, printed on the, on the birth certificate. Those numbers are a security stock exchange number on the world stock exchange. You go to any good stock office and ask them, check these numbers in your computer and see how much this stock is worth, the certificate. And they will check it on the New York Stock Exchange and find you, your birth certificate, is a stock on the stock exchange in America. Why? Because you are worth money to the international bank that bought you in 1930. We need to wake up. This is serious stuff. Where we at, Nip? Man, we in Tulum at the Mayan ruins. Just climbed off the mount. I mean, a uh, uh, pyramid. Got to the top. Seen the whole jungle. Shooting a victory lap video.
I'm the type that's gon' go get it, no kidding Breaking down a switch in front of your villain Sitting on the steps, feeling no feelings Last night it was a cold killer You gotta keep the devil in his hole, nigga But you know how it go, nigga I'm front line every time it's on, nigga Honey pro flow Run and shoot pro, pro 58 drop, play a bulletproof show. Every few shows, I just buy some new gold. Circle got smaller, everybody can't go. Downtown Diamond District, jewelers like yo. Hustle, holla at me, I got Cubans on the low. Through the Cancun, smoking Cubans on the boat. And dock that saloon just to smoke. Look, listening to music at the Maya Ruins. True devotion on the bluest ocean. Cruise. My cultural influence, even revolution. I'm integrated vertically, y'all niggas blew it They tell me hustle, dumb it down, you might confuse me It's like that weirdo rap, you motherfucking shoes I'm a urban legend, South Central in the third section Can't express how I curb the tactic, justice Evidence of a divine presence, flex Held me down at times I seen records, effort Got a L but gotta eat for effort, stress me Dropped them off in the Mojave Desert, they left me Ain't no answer to these trick questions Money making nips, straighten out my jewelry on my best dress Well known, pick up in jail clothes Snatch a champagne bottle from Rico's till T-Shows Whatever nigga, playing chess, not checkers Nigga 38 special for you clever niggas See bro, you ain't living down by the street code Been through all these motions up and down like a seesaw I can never view you as my equal Fuck, I wanna hear your CD phone
love, lift life. We touch into your mind, body, and soul. Somehow we have bought into a shoebox full of fallacies, and one of them is that it's all right to be poor. Whenever you see people prospering, always rejoice and bless them in your heart. Always do that. And you see, you magnetize yourself for that good when you bless other people. But you know, if you have a jealous spirit, oh, look at that. Why should they have that when I've got so little? Yeah, because you you work, you operate your mouth against yourself. That's why. There's a verse of scripture also said that says, Thou art ensnared by the words of thy mouth. You know, the mouth can be a dangerous thing until you learn how to operate it positively. <laughs> Some people are like a prosecuting attorney against themselves. Every time you think of something good, you talk yourself out of it. Yeah, but I know, I just know, I, I sure wish. No, but I can't. But oh, I sh Lord, I sure wish. Thou art ensnared by the words of thy mouth. Don't do that. That, that stems from your grand perennial roots and, and my perennial roots. <laughs> remarks that I heard so persistently was that all I want is just enough to get back. And then the ones that my generation used was, how's it going, man? I made it. I made it. Now that's another thing, and I want to warn you about this. You know, a lot of people are good at visualizing things for other people. Yeah, that's for Rockefeller. <laughs> that's for those rich people. You'll pass by those mansions in Bel Air and Beverly Hills that look at this where the rich people live. Look, look at that. That's for them. And you're really telling yourself, well, that's for them. I see them with it. But I don't see myself with it. Making what? <laughs> the standstill syndrome of hold on has been the banner of black America since we were imprisoned in this country and culture. Survival was of the utmost importance. Just to live through the theme of survival or the captured Africa. Okay, if you can see it for other people, why can't you see it for yourself? I taught people to do this. Here's a little technique. That whenever you see people being, doing, and having good, always be glad for them. Always rejoice for them. And, you know, say good things about them in your mind. I said, look at that old rich so-and-so. The Bible says, curse not the rich. Reverend Ike says, if you curse the rich, you'll never be one of us. <laughs> it became a fixed mechanism in the pseudo-culture that the African was developing. 
in this, quote, foreign land, unquote. How to survive, the need to survive, the whole syndrome of survival is a slave mentality syndrome. I remember some years ago, I uh, drove up to our place up in the mountains in, in Monterey overlooking the, the ocean and my custodian at that time was a very fine gentleman who met me outside and he saw that brand new mink silver gray and blue Rolls Royce Corniche. And he said to me, he says, oh, Reverend Ike, he said, I saw this car in my visualization the other day. I say, yeah, but you made one mistake. You didn't see yourself with it. <laughs> so I got it. Prosperity is the correct concept for the African, where most of the wealth of the planet has been drawn from. Most of the gold, most of the silver, most of the diamonds, rubies, emeralds, pearls, Africa, that says the land from which we adhere is a rich land, a land flowing with milk and honey, that God's so-called chosen were sent to that land as a promised land. And when you decide it, you got to do what? Believe it. Another picture. Look at the so-called Egyptian, the African of Kemet and his and her culture. Laced with gold. Laced with silver and precious stone. The point I'm making is that you're from a rich culture, a rich past. It's back here. The idea to be rich, to be prosperous, to be well-to-do. Okay? The illusion of poverty is just that. It is an illusion. In this teaching, that would indicate, yes, law. Meaning that you have an affirmative attitude toward the law which works to bring you to the demonstration of the good that you believe. In this cycle we are in of high dispensation that includes wealth. You're supposed to get back something. Surely God is able. Say that. Say it again. The third time. And I like to make it so very personal and say it this way. Surely God in me is able. Say it again. Spiritual prosperity includes material prosperity. It includes mental prosperity. It doesn't exclude anything. The masters who presented themselves to a given people renounced material materiality because they were demonstrating spirituality. 
They didn't need to harness and sack up anything. They could have anything they wanted when they wanted it. When you believe, nothing is impossible. So you got to believe. That's real prosperity consciousness. To have what you need and want when you need it and when you want it. If it is not having a large bank account, because the bank owner might go off with your money. <laughs> In your consciousness, that's where prosperity is. See it! Let's hear it! See it! This deals with visualization. We're not listening to whom we're supposed to be listening to. We're listening to the things that worry and trouble us. The things that confuse us occupy much of our minds. There's an answer for every question. There's a solution to every problem. Where is it? Inside. It is important that you learn how to work in the theater of your mind. And I want to leave that term with you. Say, the theater of my mind. There's no more God out here than there is in there. Now, I'm going to tell you something important, because, see, somehow we don't think we're supposed to get rich unless we work and save our money. That's a practical, good way to do so, and, and I'm not going to knock that. You know, you know it, 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 as much as I dislike eight hours a day, <laughs> it, it's practical and it's significant and it gives a, a sense of purpose and direction. Wealth is given. It is not earned. I now enter into the theater of my mind and look upon the stage of my imagination. You've got it set there. And you and then I will say, I see myself. And then you describe yourself as you wish to be. So repeat this after me. I now look upon, I now enter the theater of my mind. And look upon the stage of my imagination. And I see myself as I wish to be. While we sit here, somebody's getting rich. And I want you to think about that instead about somebody tricking you out of your check. Money is an idea. How many ideas can you contain? What is it that brings you your good? Oh, there I am. Look how healthy I am. Look how happy I am. Listen to the way I'm laughing. I'm just the exact weight that I want to be. Look at that. My dimensions are as I would have them to be. Just look at me. And look at all that money around me. What are you passionate about? 
What is it that you really love with all your feelings? Can you transfer that to money? Yes, you can, if you want to. So learn how to see yourself being, doing, and having the good that you desire. Enter the theater of your mind. Look upon the stage of your imagination and see yourself. And it's important that you see yourself being, doing, and having the good that you desire. Systematically, this man kept trying to destroy everything that something was giving him. He was doing it to himself, but not the white boy. He was doing it to himself. Very good. The power of the word, spoken word. And we need to control that faculty. Huh? Because we take words and throw them like daggers, and they get results. Yes, you got to see it. You remember Flip Wilson, the comic, who used to say, what you see is what you get. That's true. And the man who said to me, well, Reverend, I just saw this Rolls Royce Corniche in my visualization. He made the mistake. He didn't see himself with it. So, also, when you see people with good, always say also, and when you pass those fine homes, fine cars, people are looking good, say, that's for me. Let me hear you say it. Say it again. See, bless it, bless them, and say, that's for me. That means that you include yourself in that idea of good. Visit MakeMoreCommerce.com for more remedies with Joey L, where remedy meets preparation. Let's first take a look at the ratification of the amendment, because this is a matter of controversy that um, got me into a lot of trouble for raising it in... Uh, the Reconstruction chapter of my, my American history book. But I'm only repeating a, a totally mainstream interpretation. I found it hilarious. People never even heard of this before. The argument that the 14th Amendment was not constitutionally ratified. I mean, this, the old National Review used to just take this for granted. I mean, old, you know, old conservative publications, libertarians, all, all understood this. Uh, in the 1950s, U.S. News and World Report published an editorial saying, of course, we all know the 14th Amendment wasn't legitimately ratified. I mean, this was just sort of common knowledge. Now I say it today and I get like Max Boot saying, oh my gosh, where did Woods get this crazy idea? Like I just invented it. Sort of funny. Well, let's look at, at what is the claim being made here. There are a few factors to take note of when we look at the ratification of the 14th Amendment. First, we have the fact that uh, to, the, the amendment was proposed in Congress and two-thirds of, of, of the people present voted to uh, to to approve the amendment, and then it gets then it gets passed, it gets uh, sent out to the states, and then three quarters of the states have to ratify the amendment for it to uh, take effect. 
Well, one thing we can note about the passage of the 14th Amendment is that it was not, shall we say, entirely without blemish. At the time that the amendment was uh, set to be voted on and, and discussed, John P. Stockton was a newly elected senator from New Jersey, and he was known to be an opponent of the 14th Amendment. And he took his seat, duly took his seat in the U.S. Senate the, at the beginning of the 39th Congress. Well, informal canvassing of, of uh, senators made quite clear that there was no two-thirds majority in favor of the amendment at that time. Uh, in fact, it turned out that the amendment would have been one vote short of passage. So, a motion was introduced uh, not to seat John Stockton. But he's already been seated. This is the problem. He's already been seated. So you can't really vote not to seat somebody who has been seated. If he's been seated you're supposed, and you want to get rid of him for one reason or another, you have to vote to expel him. But expulsion requires uh, a two-thirds vote. They didn't have a two-thirds vote to expel him. So they voted not to seat somebody who had already been seated. Okay? I mean, it's sort of like, you know, how can something be both A and not A at the same time and in the same manner? So they voted not to seat this man who had already been seated. Uh, and then they went ahead and voted to approve the 14th Amendment. Now that's, you know, it's really not legal, it's right, not, not a proper procedure, but that's, that's actually the least of the problems associated with the amendment. Then it goes out to the states. Now Tennessee ratifies the amendment, but here's how Tennessee ratified the amendment. The problem that was occurring in Tennessee was that opponents of the amendment were refusing to show up at the state house uh, and thereby preventing a quorum. Okay, I mean, you have to have a certain minimum number of people present in order to conduct business. Well, opponents of the amendment thought one way to prevent its ratification is just not to show up, and then they wouldn't have a quorum. Well, in order to get a quorum, uh, two of the anti-amendment Tennessee legislators were actually kidnapped and forcibly brought to the state house and, and declared to be present so that the vote could take place. Now, there are some sticklers, you know, who think that kidnapping is immoral, uh, you know, who, who would throw, you know, some doubt on this, the legality of this. And the thing is that when the, when the, the House Speaker called the roll, well, these two uh, representatives refused to answer. They refused to, to, to say they were present because in their mind, they weren't, you know, spiritually, they weren't present. They were only there, uh, uh, you know, under duress, I mean, really by force. So they refused to answer the roll, but nevertheless, they were declared present so that the, the, the amendment could be ratified. In Oregon, there was a, a situation that was at least as irregular as that one. In Oregon, you had a case where the legislature of Oregon voted on the amendment and they voted to approve the amendment. But then it was discovered that two of the Republicans who had been elected in Oregon had actually not been legally elected. When they actually looked again at the votes, it turned out that Democrats had been elected in those two seats. So two Republicans were removed and replaced by two duly elected Democrats. So some people thought, well, we should re-vote on, on the amendment now that we have the legitimately elected people present this time they voted not to approve the amendment, but they were told by the federal government, sorry, we take your first answer. Okay. <laughs> New Jersey. Now, New Jersey and Ohio, the irregularities there, are it's not quite so clear-cut. I mean, obviously in Oregon, there's no, that's, uh, there's no excuse for that. And in Tennessee, there's obviously no excusing that. 
New Jersey and Ohio is not quite so clear-cut, but arguably there's at least some kind of irregularity here because both of these states rescinded their ratifications. And they rescinded them, though, before the amendment went into effect. It was still being voted on by other states. I mean, you could argue that if the amendment has already gone into effect and then you vote to rescind your ratification, it is probably too late. But arguably, they may at least have had some right to, to withdraw. But they were told once again, sorry, we take your first answer. And New Jersey in particular, at the time that they attempted to withdraw their ratification, they actually announced, they said that we, have a, we are fearful that this amendment has been worded ambiguously with deliberate intent so that in the future it can be used to deprive us of our liberties. Very interesting. Well, the most fundamental reason, though, that there was an illegality involved here is that here you had the southern states which they, they ratified the 13th Amendment in 1865, abolishing slavery. No one had any problem with them then. 1867 rolls along. The radical Republicans in Congress, who are the wing of the Republican Party, who favor you know, a very harsh settlement with the South, now that they're in power, in 1867, they declare, the, the uh, other than Tennessee, they like Tennessee because Tennessee ratified the 14th Amendment, but other than Tennessee, the other former states of the Confederacy, the other 10 states, were declared in 1867 to be illegal, without legal governments. And they're going to be militarily occupied, they're going to be divided into five military districts, they're going to be deprived of self-government, they're going to have, in effect, martial, military courts open. Uh, so that was all declared in 1867. That was said about the southern states. But at the same time, these same states were told, you have to ratify an amendment to the Constitution. Now they're trying to have their cake and eat it too because either they're legal states or they're not. If they are legal states, then you shouldn't be occupying them with the military. Uh, if they're not legal states, then you can't ask them to ratify an amendment to the Constitution because they're not legal states. I mean, you may as well ask France to ratify an amendment to the U.S. Constitution. It would be perfectly irrelevant. So in other words, you're depriving them of all the privileges of statehood, but nevertheless you're going to impose on them one of the burdens of statehood. You're going to actually demand that they ratify an amendment to the Constitution when you yourself have just said they're not even legal. The states, as constituted in the South, are not legal. So it's been argued that therefore their votes could not have counted. In no way could an illegal state, by definition, his, that vote for, for the, uh, the amendment be counted as a vote in favor of the, of the amendment. I mean, that, that, that's not to mention the coercion involved here. I mean, one, there was one congressman who said that um, when, when the 14th Amendment was sent out to the states, Tennessee approved it, but the other ten uh, southern Confederate states rejected it. It was a northern congressman who said, well, the southern states have rejected the 14th Amendment, so we are going to march upon them at bayonet point until they, they do ratify it. Well, most, you know, most legal principle, principles would have it that a decision that you're forced to make under duress is not legally binding. So, so we have that difficulty as well. And for these reasons and, and even several others, uh, very recently, like early 1990s, Forrest MacDonald concluded that the 14th Amendment was never constitutionally Dipsetusa.com. Yeah. You go to booking 
at DipsetUSA.com yes. and make it happen if you're a promoter trying to get on. Mm -hmm. We only got about five more dates left. We got like 30 dates to go on the road. I'm very excited to go on the road with these brothers. I haven't been on the road since about 96 or oh, 97. Yeah. No, I went on a tunnel tour, but I, it was different. My mind wasn't right. My mind's right this time. New York City, you know what time it is. Yeah. Jim Jones, Killer Cam, Joel Santana, Freaky Deaky. Dipset 2015. Let's yeah. work. We there, bro. I'm all about this move. Yep. I'm all about this bread. And if I get caught slipping, I can end up in the pit. So, bitch, better have my money. My money. Nigga, better have my money. My money. My man, baby mom, in the morning, tell him GM. Kiss him on the forehead, take the keys to his BM. And he was going to tell you got the code to his DM. I head on the gram like hashtag free him. I'm biased. But all I got for these hoes is papaya. I done drove every car, no liar. I ain't talking music when I say I did shit with Mariah. Nick wasn't there, nor was Matola. Sitting on the crates, gun in the stroller. I was selling coke, no joke, no cola. Just made a call to mail off Ebola. What's up? I'm all about this moolah. I'm all about this bread. And if I get caught slipping. End up in the fish. Huh. Bitch, better have my money. Better have, yeah. Nigga, better have my money. You better have money. my money. Bitch, better have my money. You better have money. Huh. Nigga, better huh. have huh. my money. Huh. Huh. money. I got bitches that can chef up with ego. Dominican, he had the best for ego. And we just trying not to catch the Rico. Remember what Mitch had heard from Rico. Well, niggas die every day, B. I'm getting money, getting fly every day, B. I pulled up on side the real AZ. And I was young when they tried to kill AZ. We kept it mob style like whip wop. All the more styling on the wristwatch. Still do holler in my flip flops. Summertime hopping out the road. I'm all about this moolah. I'm all about this bread. And if I get caught slipping, I can end up in the pit. Bitch, better have my money. My money. Nigga, better have my money. Nigga, my money. Bitch, better have my money. My money. Nigga, better have my money. Living life big, just that more money shit So no matter what I get, I'm screaming more money, bitch More money coming in, more money spent Smelling like money, that's that more money scent AMG kit, that's that more money bands Knock, knock, open the door, I'm letting more money in She like, what's this more money shit? I'm like, them niggas that you with, I'm getting more money then Pockets full of Chuck E. Cheese, I'm under the money tree And I'm just catching all the leaves she just wanna feel a breeze, I just wanna on her knees, cold nigga, and he freeze. I, uh, I'm all about this moolah. We've been about this motherfucker. We out here, man. Ain't too much change with the money, huh? Shout to Killer the Don, King Jop the Joe. Joel Santana, the prince of the city. Huh. Hey, Freaky, what's up? Iron Man himself, you heard me? <laughs> Don't get scared yet. Have you ever stood and stared at it? Marveled at its beauty, its genius? 
billions of people just living out their lives, oblivious. Did you know that the first Matrix was designed to be a perfect human world where none suffered, where everyone would be happy? It was a disaster. No one would accept the program. Entire crops were lost. Some believed that we lacked the programming language to describe your perfect world, but I believe that as a species, human beings define their reality through misery and suffering. The perfect world was a dream that your primitive cerebrum kept trying to wake up from. Which is why the Matrix was redesigned to this, the peak of your civilization. And I say your civilization because as soon as we started thinking for you, it really became our civilization, which is, of course, what this is all about. Evolution, Morpheus. Evolution. Like the dinosaur. Look out that window. You had your time. The future is our world, Morpheus. The future is our time. I'd like to share a revelation that I've had during my time here. It came to me when I tried to classify your species. I realized that you're not actually mammals. Every mammal on this planet instinctively develops a natural equilibrium with the surrounding environment, but you humans do not. You move to an area and you multiply and multiply until every natural resource is consumed. And the only way you can survive is to spread to another area. There is another organism on this planet that follows the same pattern. Do you know what it is? A virus. Human beings are a disease. A cancer of this planet. You are a plague. And we are the cure. Can you hear me, Morpheus? I'm going to be honest with you. I hate this place. This zoo. This prison. This reality, whatever you want to call it. I can't stand it any longer. It's the smell. If there is such a thing, I feel saturated by it. I can taste your stink. Every time I do, I fear that I have somehow been infected by it. It's repulsive. Isn't it? I must get out of here. I must get free. And in this mind is the key. My key. There are people that's awake, and there's people asleep. Mm -hmm. Now, most people on this planet are asleep. 
So let's break it to the least common denominator. Let's say the black community. We it used to they say five percent. <laughs> no, it's like old point something now. That's right. You see, that's asleep. So you're gonna be lonely because the simple fact that people are asleep now. How is this? You have a chakra system in your body, and these are nine wheels of consciousness. Most, uh, uh, excuse me, seven wheels of consciousness. There's like 160 chakras, but seven major chakras, just like there's seven African powers. <clears throat> Now, what has happened here to give you a scientific element of what's going on so you can clear this up so you don't have to go and be trying to holler at somebody and they laugh at you and they don't want to hear that shit? Because your family will beat you down and niggas in the street will beat you down. You're going to try to give them a message. <laughs> now, had you around here crazy. Now, the chakra system, the lowest chakra is your sacral vertebrae. That's your root chakra. And that's where the majority of the people's um, consciousness is, on the root chakra. So the only thing that they can get down with is desires. What feels good, what tastes good, what smells good, what looks good, what sounds good. Yes. You see, the, Lord the basic sen uh, senses, you see, on that particular level, they are called the automatons, which means automation. Okay. They moving, but they ain't, they're brain dead. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Now, you don't even get into this particular consciousness that you can partake to understand what things is until you're radiating from the heart chakra. Mm -hmm. You see, the heart chakra. That's why the Egyptian, the heart, the scarab, the heart scarab was the most important. Even when you died, they'd throw the brain away. But it was the heart that they preserved. Because that's another, that's where your true self is. But, you got to radiate from the heart chakra and then you elevate on into the pineal gland. But, most people's consciousness is in the root chakra. On the five senses, the animal level. They can look pretty, they can have a PhD with a degree. They tell you it's only a degree of information. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, a degree of information, it has nothing to do with a person's behavior, mm. whether they're conscious or not. You see, it has nothing to do with what a person wears. It has something to do is where they incarnated down here on a certain level, and they are radiating above the root shock. And I guarantee you this right now, even if some of you all just coming into consciousness, the last couple of weeks of the last year. I'll guarantee you, you always felt special since you was a baby. Now, I've been asking that question in my lectures around the country for, 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 for 16 years. And I asked everybody, how many of you all always thought that you were special? And the whole room always raised their hand. You didn't know what it was. You see what I'm saying? But you thought it was special, and you always had a thirst for something that you didn't know what it was, and it was this knowledge. Let me give you an example. When I was, on, when I was in college, I was standing up one time, I had finished school, and I was standing um, on the college campus with one of the coaches. We got to be good friends, one of the basketball coaches, Coach Holmes. And he said, well, how do you, how do you feel, man? You, you've edu you educated yourself. I said, man, I don't feel shit. I didn't know at the time 
I said, I told him, I said, I thought when I came here to this university that when I left, I was going to have some kind of knowledge. I didn't know what the knowledge was. All I know is what I went, I went through for four years. I didn't have shit. I, I, I knew I felt empty. Now, it was, it was, you know, it was a couple of years later that what I was missing, I realized, was knowledge. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But, I, I, but, but I knew something was wrong. You see, and that's what it is. You, you always thought that you was you, you that, that something was missing, and that's why it's actually because you were you, you were gravitating but above the root shock. What's up, man? Peace to the God. How y'all feeling out there? You sitting right here on the bottom line, right here on the New Evolution Radio Network. I'm your host, Joy Bounce L. Bay. Why not, right? What up, though? Today is August the 18th, 2019. And we are in the Aboriginal year. Now, check this out. We're going to be in New York this upcoming week. Jonah Bay and myself. Okay, the 24th. This upcoming Saturday, you can register at makemorecommerce.com. We'd love to see y'all there. All right, don't come with no funny shit. Come prepared to learn. All right? Come on that bullshit, we get you out of there. So, come prepared to learn. Come prepared to get this knowledge. And that's what it is. So, peace to the gods. Welcome to the show. Uh, go to makemorecommerce.com if you want to get with me. I know a lot of people are putting orders lately. Uh, we're working on fulfilling them. We're just really behind right now. Okay, so be patient with us. All right, um, we're going to get to you. All right, I know a lot of people have, I've had like an over um, amount of orders. It's crazy. I don't know where all these people are coming from, but peace to the gods. And I appreciate everybody that's done commerce with us. Myself and Jonah. Right? Um, but yeah, just be patient. Orders is coming, all right? So with that being said, the call lines are wide open if you want to holler at us. 347-989-0194 is the call-in number. You can call in and holler at us. Uh, you go back and check out Friday's show. My man Jonah did open for Friday with Jonah Bay. We haven't been on in about two weeks. Let's go check that Friday show out. As always, check out Sister Oxette and Sister Teak on Monday. All right? Now, let's get into it, all right? Because, um, you know, I don't want to waste a lot of time. We, we, we're a little behind tonight. But we're going to go into a topic tonight that I think, I think this is important. And I think it's important because of the fact that a lot of people are still working jobs, okay? A lot of y'all are working jobs. And, you know, this, this question comes up. How do I become tax exempt, right? I know that I'm quote unquote native, right? Native. I, I hate to use that term Native American because it doesn't apply. It's a misnomer. It doesn't apply to black people in that particular colloquial term. We are Moors. We are indigenous. We are Aboriginal, right? That's that's who we are. So you know, I got to thinking. I was like, you know, 
a lot of people are working. And even when I had a job, you know, years ago, um, there was the issue of of how do I file my tax, right? Now, check it. Here's what's interesting, right? <clears throat> Most people don't know that a tax is voluntary to begin with. So, you know, your job can never tell you how to file a tax. They can never tell you, oh, you're supposed to do it like this, whatever, right? And if they do, that's kind of like discrimination. You're forcing me to, to file my shit in a certain way, nigga. No, you can't do that. So what happens is that most people are pushed off to, you know, to a filing status, whatever your status is, right? Now, if you are, and you can prove that you are native, okay, then, you know, and we'll say native for the sake of this conversation, right? Because we we all know that Aboriginal and Native are distinctly to us two different things here. But in the eyes of these people, because they don't know a goddamn difference, you are Native, right? And so if you can prove that you are Native, then you then go past the assumption that, oh, maybe he or she is a U.S. citizen. So you want to dispel this thing. And, you know, if you are Native American, unfortunately, right, if you are under, oh, I got that flavor in here, popping. All right, now, unfortunately, if you are under the Bureau of Indian Affairs, which we will discuss tonight, you are considered a United States citizen, even though you have sovereignty. Why? Because those particular Native Americans have tribal contracts. They have contracts with the government. So it's a government-to-government contract. Now, we'll discuss that as well so that that can be understood. This is the reason why when we break down sovereignty, right, because sovereignty is such an important topic. You know, there are sovereign states. There are sovereign people. There are sovereign governments. There, there are sovereigns all over the world. You've probably met a few and didn't know it. You live in a sovereign state. Right? You know the funny thing about the 14th Amendment is that even the state itself is the 14th Amendment, right? So even these niggas are caught up in the matrix. <laughs> even the state is trying to figure out how to get itself out of the goddamn matrix. Go read all of the records. They'll tell you. 14th Amendment was a mistake. We feared it was going to be harmful to us. But yeah, we had to use it to disenfranchise the Negroes. This is this is what the 14th... When they made the movie 13, they really should have made the movie 14. Nigga. That would have been the real issue, right? Alright, so when we look at sovereignty between nations and nation-states and political bodies, you must look at the relationship that that particular body has with its surrounding jurisdiction. And I'm going to read something to you because I think that it's important that we address this because it has not really been addressed. Okay, and this is a big part of why today these these Native Americans under the Bureau of Indian Affairs have so many 
um, I don't even want to call it privilege. Well, they are privileges, right? Because that's probably the best thing to call. Okay, they got so many goddamn privileges. Okay, and things that are given to them, and people don't understand why. But, but I'm more. But I'm Aboriginal. How come I can't get my hands on that? Why? How come I can't get my money? Where my casino? Do you know if? Let's just be honest, right? Because niggas out here are very, um, you know, niggas niggas not for themselves. That's just that's just the nature of, you know, what we live in. But do you know if we all had a casino? Right, or we all had a stake in our own casinos, our own lands. We wouldn't have these problems that we have in our communities. When have you ever seen a Native American ghetto? Now check it out. Okay, on some reservations, I get it. Okay, they doing bad on some reservations, but remember that's the tribal government. That means that's indicative of how the government is doing. That particular government, Sioux Nation. Cherokee, you know, whatever nation you're dealing with, right? Now, those nations, right, are under the Bureau of Indian Affairs. So, before I go into what I was going to read, I'm going to pull up a list. Just a second here. I'm going to pull up a list. We're going to pull up a list of what they call federally recognized tribes, okay? Alright, now here it is. There's a list of federally recognized tribes in the contiguous United States of America. There are also federally recognized Alaska Native tribes. Now, let me ask you a question. Who the fuck in Alaska is being considered Native American or indigenous? Eskimos? Because, you know, we got indigenous people all over the planet. Okay. All right. Now, as of January 29th, 2018, 573 tribes were legally recognized by the Bureau of Indian Affairs, which is known as the BIA, of the United States. Okay. And of these, 231 of them are located in Alaska. That's damn near half the list. Now, I want you to ask yourself something, right? <clears throat> and, you know, this is, you know, this is something we all ought to look at, right? These so-called federally recognized tribes, why are they federally recognized? What was it that put them in a position for them to be federally recognized? Because to me, that would mean, listen, think about it like this, right? These people are their own governments, but they're being recognized. Hmm. I'm gonna be you. You're gonna recognize me as a government. Now, I want y'all to understand why this is happening. <laughs> because the corporation, which sits in the 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 jour, if you want to call it that, the seat of your government, this corporation, which sits. And your governmental seat says, look, we're going to make good with these nations who want to be good with us. And everybody else becomes an enemy of the state. 
why do you think they disenfranchise niggas? Take over your government, destroy, and then offer amnesty to the niggas who's left. Y'all can join up with us. Now, in the United States, the Indian tribe is a fundamental unit, and the constitutional, uh, excuse me, and the Constitution grants Congress the right to interact with the tribes. Now, more specifically, the Supreme Court of the United States in the United States versus uh, Scandaval, right, 231 U.S. 1913, warned, quote, it is not that Congress may bring a community or body of people within range of this power by arbitrarily calling them Indian, an Indian tribe, but only that in respect of distinctly Indian communities that question whether to what extent and for what time they should be recognized and dealt with as dependent tribes. Federal tribal recognition grants the tribes the right to certain benefits and it's largely controlled by the Bureau of Indian Affairs. So wait a minute. There's a bureau that's controlling the benefits and the rights that these niggas get, which means that, nigga, if we give you a casino and some land, we could take that shit away. Now, while trying to determine, trying to determine which groups were eligible for federal recognition in the 1970s, government officials became acutely aware of the need for consistent procedures to illustrate several federally unrecognized tribes encountered obstacles in bringing land claims in the United States versus Washington, 1974, which was a court case that affirmed that the fishing treaty rights of Washington tribes and other tribes demanded that the U.S. government recognize aboriginal titles, which we'll talk about in a minute. Now, all of the above culminated in the Indian Self-Determination and Education Assistance Act of 1975. You see how they, they put little acts in there to help these niggas along. Now, which legitimizes tribal entities by partially restoring Native American self-determination. Do you hear that shit? Partially restoring. Now, let's look at what Native American self-determination is. I bet you never even heard that shit before, have you? Now, this refers to the social movement, legislation, and belief by which the Native American tribes in the United States exercise self-governance and decision-making. Now, let me, yeah, now check, check this out. These particular tribes have a partial, uh, they're calling it partial restoration of Self-determination Nigga We can go pull up right now The Universal Declaration of Human Rights For Indigenous Peoples And it gives you full Full Self-determination As an indigenous person Recognized or unrecognized And it doesn't And it it doesn't say shit about Being part of the BIA Go, go read it. It's under the United Nations. Now, following the decision by the Indian Claims Commission, the Bureau of Indian Affairs in 1978 published the final rules with procedures that groups had to meet to secure federal tribal acknowledgement. Okay? So now they're setting rules. Nigga. If you want to be part of our clique, you have to meet our standards. So there's seven criteria 
four having proven troublesome for most groups to prove. You ready? Here we go. Number one, long-standing historical community. Nigga, they wiped out most of your history. Let me say it again. They wiped out most of your history. Let that shit sink in. One of the ways to get in the BIA is to go back and claim your history, your long-standing history. Now, we know we got history, but they wiped most of it out, the physical shit you can see. So guess what you got to do? You got to use your historical records, but you don't want to go under the BIA. But these are the rules that they want you to follow. Let's go to the next one. Because, you know, you come as a Moor. Like we, we're not recognized. We're not federally recognizing Moors, not in the public, because then you got to give you benefits, which means they got to make you a U.S. citizen, which means you become ipso jure as Moor subjects. Now, check it. I said there were four criteria, excuse me. There were seven criteria, and four of them were troublesome, okay? So, one was proving your history. Two was outside identification as Indians. So, you had to be able to prove with some type of identification that you were part of a tribe. We've solved that problem, okay? Three, you had to have some type of political authority. You had to have political authority. What authority grants you your sovereignty in the United States? What document is that? Come on, what documents are those? Articles of Confederation, Articles of Association, your Constitution and your state. Your organic United States of America Constitution, 1789 or some shit like that, 87, something, something, one of those years. Right? These are the organic things that establish this, okay? The next one. You also had to prove that you had descent from a historical tribe. Okay? Now, a tribe seeking recognition must submit detailed petitions to the BIA's Office of Federal Acknowledgement. And consequently, the federal acknowledgement process can take years, even decades. Delays of 12 to 14 years are not uncommon. The Shinnecock Indian Nation formally petitioned recognition in 1978 and was recognized 32 years later in 2010 at a Senate Committee of Indian Affairs hearing. Witness testify, witnesses testified that the process was, quote, broken, long, expensive, burdensome, intrusive, unfair, arbitrary, and capricious, less than transparent, Unpredictable and subject to undue political influence and manipulation. Shit. You might as well just say they raped these niggas. You want to be in the BIA, nigga? Come over here. <laughs> you want to be, be in the BIA? We got some Vaseline over Come over here. We're going we to ask you some, some questions, nigga. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. 
right? Now, in July 2018, the United States Federal Register issued an official list of 573 tribes that are Indian entities recognized and eligible to receive services from the United States Bureau of Indian Affairs. The number of tribes increased to 567 in May of 2016, with the inclusion of the uh, the Pam. I don't even know how you pronounce that shit. The Pamkey tribe in Virginia. Okay, now this tribe received their federal recognition in July. Now the number of tribes increased to 573, with the addition of six tribes in Virginia under Thomas E. Jordan uh, Indian Tribes of Virginia Federal Recognition Act of 2017, signed in January 2018. Okay, now. There's a shitload of tribes, right? They go. I was, I was going. I'll just read a couple to y'all, right? So y'all can see, y'all can see the shit. Cherokee Nation, Oklahoma, Cheyenne and Aprano tribes, Oklahoma, the the Jacome tribe in Virginia, the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma, the Citizens Potomac Nation of Oklahoma, Colorado River Indian tribe, Colorado River. Confederated tribes, Colville Reservation. I mean, you got all of these different tribes, right? Pro tribal Montana. All of these motherfuckers are U.S. citizens. Let's just put it like that. They're all U.S. citizens because they all fall under this jurisdiction. So then we got to look at okay, well, if they're all falling under this particular jurisdiction and they're getting so called privileges, right? Some of them are pretty good privileges. Shit, you don't own no casino, nigga. So. Nobody you know owns a casino. Most likely. Most black people don't know people who own casinos. Again, to you, most Native Americans do. Okay? Now, what we're talking about is land, land title. Right? Because we're talking about conquest here. Now, in the United States, a Indian tribe or a Native American tribe or a tribal nation, right? Right? And, and, and these are the ones who are federally recognized, right? Or similar concept and is, is an extent, extent or historical clan, a tribe, a band, a nation, or other group or community of Native Americans in the United States. Now, let's be clear. These people who we call them Native Americans are, are mixed mongoloid people. Okay, of East Asian descent. That's all that is. Okay, these like our distant cousins. These like these like the cousins, nigga, who ain't never really fuck with you, cause they cause they thought they had the good hair, right? And there's a little more light skin. That's them cousins. Okay. Now, Native Americans or Modern forms of these entities are often associated with land or territory on an Indian reservation, right? Now, black people, the whole buy back the block shit, nigga, we start buying back our communities, actually purchasing the homes that we live in and the properties that we have around us. You can create your own political subdivisions. You can begin to practice your own tribal uh, affiliations and all of this can be done 
Okay. Now, federally recognized Indian tribes, those are legal, legal tribes, right? That's a that's a term of art, as they call it, in the United States. Now, a term of art, in case you don't know, that's jargon. It's terminology associated with a particular area of activity, okay? Normally employed in a um, uh, some type of communication context, right? So when they tell you that these tribes are legal, nigga, they're telling you that they're citizens. They're telling you that they're residents. They're telling you that that they're under the 14th Amendment. So an Indian tribe recognized by the United States government usually possesses tribal sovereignty, right, which is a dependent sovereign nation with the status under the federal government. Okay? And that's similar to the state, right, in some situations. So, because the state itself, the state has been here the longest. The state, the state normally can retain its sovereignty to a certain extent, but they've made the states U.S. citizens too. Right? This is what they did when they when they came in and did the Organic Act and they, re- and they recodified all these laws. Okay. So the term is defined in the United States for some federal government purposes to include only tribes that are federally recognized by the Bureau of Indian Affairs, which establishes pursuant to the Alaska Native Settlement Claims Act. Okay. Now, such tribes, including Alaska Native Village or regional or village corporations, recognized as such are federally recognized tribes and are eligible for special programs and services provided by the United States. Now, the BIA, part of the U.S. Department of Interior, issues certificates of degree of Indian blood. Now, how the fuck are you going to issue a certificate? Do you know how many people have never had their blood tested? Do they have type O blood? That is the rarest type of blood in the world, which is, the, which is actually to be found most common in the United States in black people. Aboriginal blood, right? But they won't they won't do that test. So which tribes are used as a basis for tribal enrollment? Maybe they give you a certificate and then they say, Here's your this is your amount of Indian blood you got. You're entitled to all of these benefits. Now, some tribes, such as Little Shell Chippewa, do not have federal recognition but are recognized at the state level using procedures defined by various states without regard to federal recognition. This is the shit niggas need to be doing. See? Listen, if you if, if you really want to be recognized, you have to go in on that type of level. I mean, it, it, here's the thing about it. Your state is set up as a country. It's its own country. You got to step to them in the same manner, in the same capacity. You got to have people under your nation. There are no rules that say you have to be under the BIA. In fact, there are a lot of tribes who want to come from up under that shit, but they want the protection. You you can't see. Think about it like this, right? If you're a tribe, and you don't have no military. You don't have no artillery, nothing to defend your people. What's to stop your shit from being taken? Unless you join up with a nation that's more powerful than you, which is the Sultan's Dominions ran by the corporation. Okay. So some of these tribes, right, like the Little Shell Chippewee, 
They're not they're not recognized by the government. Then you got other tribes which are unrecognized because they no longer exist as an organized group. Or because they have not completed the certification process established by the government introducing the question. Now, when they say that you niggas no longer exist, you know they're talking about the Moors, right? Yeah, people don't want to be Moors. Niggas don't want to claim they they true divinity. I don't gotta walk around with a fez on. Right? I don't have to. But if I at least know who I am, and I'm with other people who know who they are. Well, they nigga, we, we can walk around all day long how we want to. Because guess what? We, we got our shit back. What the fuck is the point of, of wearing all this shit if, if niggas ain't going to actually go proclaim that shit? Go get your shit back. Get a group of people in your area that's like-minded. They can join up. They can create small tribal nations under the state and be recognized. It's completely lawful. Now, some federally recognized tribes are also confederacies. And so there's more than one tribe, right? Some of these motherfuckers, this is what I'm talking about. Right? So let's say you got niggas in Philly, niggas in Jersey, niggas in New York, niggas in D.C., Virginia, right? All of them areas that get together, make their own tribes. And then come together as a as a conglomerate, right? Now we got a council of tribes, right? You can go to the state level and have the state recognize your shit, right? Or you can do like the mother niggas didn't go to the federal level, and if you go to that level, well then you become U.S. citizens again. So it's best to stay on the level that you're on. Now check this, right? Historically. The state of California formed rancheras in Nevada, which formed Indian colonies, all right? All right, now multi-ethnic entities were formed by the U.S. federal government or by treaty with the U.S. government for the purpose of being assigned to reservations. So, for example, 19 tribes that existed in 1872 combined at the time to form the Colville Confederate Tribes which is now the single federally recognized tribe. So a lot of times they made them, they forced them to do that shit. Okay? Now, I, I, there's something I want to pull out here because this is very interesting. And I want you all to understand that when they write these laws, they, they put a lot of shit in laws that a lot of people tend to overlook, and we overlook shit all the time, especially – uh, with a lot of cases that we've heard beaten over your head in the public. We've all heard of Plessy versus Ferguson. We've all heard of Brown versus Board of Education. We all heard of this shit. Right? But how deep have we looked into this, right? And what do these things say? Because see, this, this directly correlates to what we're talking about. Now, before I go into that, let me pull this up here. Okay, now, this is going to lead into what I'm talking about here, okay? Because if you don't understand why these people have the privilege that they have, right, and why you don't, 
it's simply because of the fact that number one, they are not practicing full self determination, right? Which is full sovereignty. They're being protected. They they are actually under the protection of a foreign nation. Believe it or not, they 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 are ipso jurors too. Now, but let me just pull this up because this is very interesting. The Indian Reorganization Act of 1934, an act to conserve and develop Indian lands to resources and resources to extend to Indians the right to form businesses and other organizations to establish a credit system for Indians to grant certain rights of home rule to Indians to provide for vocational education for Indians and for other purposes. Since the Indian Reorganization Act of 18 of June 18, 1934, or the Wheeler Howard Act, was a U.S. federal legislation that dealt with the status of Native Americans, known as the law, as American Indians or Indians. No, excuse me, known in law as American Indians or Indians, right? Because remember, this is a misnomer. Okay. Now it was the centerpiece of what had been often called the New the Indian New Deal. The major goal was to reverse the traditional goal of assimilation of Indians into American society and to strengthen, encourage, and perpetuate the tribes and their historic traditions and culture. Now, let me let me pull this nigga up because I, I can't have this conversation with y'all without mentioning this motherfucker. Hold on. Let me pull this nigga up. Here we go. Your boy, Walter Ashby Placker. Let's let's just pull him up and talk about him right quick because he's important for the husband. Okay. All right. So, Walter Ashby Placker, all right, and, you know, he, he was responsible for um for the census. But let me let me just pull it up here. Oh, this nigga got hit by a car. <laughs> uh, all right, here we go. Now, let, let me read this shit to y'all. Says <laughs> Virginia's Indian tribes have faced numerous obstacles in their decade old quest federal recognition, but one person has long stood in their way, and he's been dead for 68 years. Walter Plecker, a physician, a eugenicist, and an avowed white supremacist, ran Virginia's Bureau of Vital Statistics with a single-minded resolve over 34 years in the first half of the 20th century. Though he died in 1947, Plecker's shadow still lingers over the state, a vestige of vicious error when racist practices were an integral part of the government policy of Virginia's officials Roofly enforced laws created to protect what they considered a master white race. Now, for Virginia's Indians, the, po- the policies championed by Plecker threatened their very existence, nearly wiping out the tribes who greeted the country's first English settlers who claimed Pocahontas as an ancestor. That's a little racist. <laughs> now, this month, the legacy of those laws could again help sabotage an effort by Pomp. Uh, Pam, the Pamkey, whatever, people to become the first state 
the first fairly recognized tribe in the state. Obsessed with the idea of white superiority, Tucker championed legislation that would codify the idea that people with one drop of Negro blood could not be classified as white. His efforts led the Virginia legislature to pass the Racial Integrity Act of 1924, a law that criminalized interracial marriage and also required that every birth in the state be recorded by uh, be recorded by race, with the only options being white or colored. Pleckert was proud of the law and his role in creating it, and uh, he said that the most perfect expression of the white idea and the most important eugenical effort that has been made in 4,000 years was that. Now, the act didn't just make blacks in Virginia second-class citizens. It also erased any acknowledgement of Indians. These were your moors. He got rid of that shit, okay? Remember, there were blacks running Virginia at one point in time, okay? Now, with the struggle for Penn, Virginia was on a path to eliminating the identity of Pamke, the Mattapone, and the Chickahomie, and the Mahokin, okay? Now, he told us that we had no right to exist as people, a Vietnam veteran who belongs to 850-member 80, tribe. He says he tried to destroy a people like Hitler did. Now, check it out, okay? important that we mention this guy because 1924 they passed the racial integrity act well let's let's pull that up this is all going to tie in for you okay pull it up how y'all doing over there everybody good all right now racial integrity act The Racial Integrity Act were laws that were passed by the General Assembly to protect whiteness against what many Virginians perceived to be the negative effects of race mixing. They included the Racial Integrity Act of 1924, which prohibited interracial marriage and defined as white and defined white person, and excuse me, and defined as white as a person who has no trace whatsoever of any blood other than Caucasian, which required all public meeting spaces to be strictly segregated passed in 1930 that defined a black person who, is, who has even a trace of African-American ancestry. Okay? This way of defining whiteness as a kind of, pure, of purity in bloodline became known as the one-drop rule. These laws arrived at a time when persuado science of white superiority called eugenics gained support by groups of the Anglo-Saxon clubs of America, which argued that the mixing of white, African-Americans, and Indians could cause a great social harm, despite the fact that races had been intermixed since European settlement. From his position as the state registrar of vital statistics, Walter Plecker micromanaged the race classifications of Virginians, often worrying that blacks were attempting to pass as white. Virginia Indians were particularly licensed by the laws, and by Plecker in particular, because the state seemed to intent on removing any legal recognition of Indian identity in favor of a broader category, colored. After one failed try, lawmakers largely achieved this goal in 1930, drawing negative reaction from black press. The Racial Integrity Act remained on the books until 1967, when the U.S. Supreme Court in Loving versus Virginia founded pro- uh, prohibition of 
interracial marriage to be unconstitutional. Okay. Now, the Racial Integrity Act, okay, and, and, and how they do shit, is specifically, they set shit up specifically for their people, right? And so, at one point in time, they were trying to totally make it with nigga, if, you, if you're not white, you're colored. They don't care if you're Indian. And they did the shit in Virginia, and they actually passed these laws on a state level. Now, like I said, if you don't understand why these people have the benefits that they have, it's very important to understand that they have taken uh, protection under a foreign state. Now, the Indian Reorganization Act of June 18, 1934, also known as the Willard Howard Act, okay, was the U.S. federal legislation that dealt with the status of Native Americans, known as known in law as American Indians. Indians, right? Remember that's a misnomer. Okay? So it was the centerpiece of what had been called the Indian New Deal. Okay? Now, the act also restored to Indians the management of their assets, land, and mineral rights, and included provisions which intended to create a sound economic foundation for the inhabitants of Indian reservations. The law did not apply to Hawaii, Alaska, and Oklahoma. They were added. They weren't added until another law was passed in 1936. Okay. Now, Native American tribes in Oklahoma had their land allotted and land title extinguished, so they did not have any reservations. You understand? They they took all of their shit through conquest. We're gonna talk about that when I go into this Aboriginal land title. Now, the census counted 332,000 Indians. In 1930 and 334,000 in 1940, including those on and off reservations in 48 states. Total spending of these people averaged 38 million a year back then. Now, the IRA was the most significant initiative of John Collier, who was President Roosevelt's commissioner of the Bureau of Indian Affairs from 1933 to 1945. He had long studied Indian issues and worked. For change since the 1920s He intended to reverse the Assimilationist policies that had Resulted in considerable damage to, to, the, to the culture And provided a means of American Indians to reestablish Sovereignty and self-government to reduce The losses of reservation Land and to build economic sufficiency He believed that Indian culture Was the superior uh, To that of modern America And that it was the worthy Of emulation Okay. Now the self-government provisions Will automatically go into effect For a tribe unless a clear Majority of the eligible Indians voted it down Alright Now at the time when the act passed It was the United States policy To eliminate Indian reservations Dividing the communal territory And allotting 160 acre plots To individual heads of households To be owned in uh, uh, Severalty Severity. Hate that word. To be owned individually, basically. Okay. Now, before allotment, the reservation territory was not owned in the usual European American sense, but was reserved for the benefit of the entire Indian tribes. The communal benefits were apportioned to tribe members according to tribal law and custom. Generally, natives held the land in communal fashion. 
non-Indians were not allowed to own land on reservations. Now, let's be real clear about this shit. Europeans, when they first came over here, were not allowed to own land at all unless they married into the tribes. There's a book that you need to go read. It's called The Aboriginal Tribes of America. Let me tell you in there. You wanted to be part of a tribe, nigga? You shit, you had to come you had to come bearing gifts. And you had to marry into the tribe. Only way we trust in you. Okay. Now, the process of allotment started with the General Allotment Act of eighteen eighty seven. When they started giving niggas land back. Alright, we'll give y'all a little land here, a little land there. By nineteen thirty four, two thirds of the Indian land had converted to traditional private ownership. Do you know that they held the shit in a fee simple relationship? It was fee simple. If you don't know in English law, fee simple or what they call fee simple absolute is in a state and land. It's a it's a freehold ownership, okay? It's a way that real estate and land can be owned in the common law country. It's the highest possible ownership. Okay? Niggas actually had land. Black people, Moors, and so-called Indians had land. Right? We, we own shit in fee simple relationships prior to when they was doing allotment. Now, most of it had been sold to Indian allotties, often because they had no means to pay local taxes on the land for which they were newly responsible. But how could they have been responsible for taxes if Article 1, Section 2, Clause 3 says you're not supposed to pay them? I'll wait. Wait, let me pull it up. Article 1, Section 2, Clause 3. Representatives and direct taxes shall be apportioned among the several states, which may be included within this union, according to their respective numbers, which shall be determined by adding the whole number of free persons, including those down by a service of term of 10 years. I lost my space. Yeah, here we go. Representatives and direct taxes shall be apportioned among several states, including which may be included within the State of the Union, according to their respective numbers, which shall be determined by adding to the whole number of free persons, including those bound to a service for a term of years, and excluding Indians not taxed. Three fifths of all other persons. Nigga, it tell you right there in the Constitution, Article One, Section Two, Clause Three, you're not supposed to be paying taxes. Okay. So, so why are these people paying taxes over land that they had, they first had fee simple relationships with, and then the government allows it and makes you pay land? So this guy John Collier appointed the Commissioner of Indian the Bureau of Indian Affairs. Okay. It actually was called the Commissioner of the Indian Bureau, right? Now they change the words around. Okay. So, I mean, you gotta think about it. The federal government held land in trust for all of these tribes. Okay. 
so the federal government was managing these lands and gave them out as they chose to because they got the land through what? Conquest. So then you had what was called the Indian Claims Act that these people put in, right? Which included a requirement that the Interior Department manage Indian forest resources um, and and um, and reservations and shit like that. Okay. So I mean, y'all take your time and go through that, right? That, so that's just one piece of this. Okay. Now let me bounce back to where I was just at. All right. By the way, the car lines are open. We'll, we'll open those up soon as well. Peace. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. My fault, bro. I ain't mean to open your line that early. I'm going to come back to you. Peace to the gods. <clears throat> now, let me read this shit to y'all. Okay? Because I want to show you. I just want to show. I want to connect this shit to y'all. I want to show you why even... Even us, man, they, they, they hide shit. They like to hide shit, right? But there's a distinction, right? So what Walter Plecker was doing was helping these niggas set the scene for a lot of other shit that they do. Just like all of these acts that I just read to y'all. Now, I'm going to read this. This is section 9. And I'll tell you what it's from after I read it. It says that, you may know what it is when I read it. It says that, shall maintain uniform school system. Separate schools for white children, colored children, and moors. Elementary schools. Did you hear anything about Indians there? I didn't. Did you? I didn't. Now, the State Board of Education is authorized, empowered, directed, and required to maintain a uniform, equal, and effective system of public schools throughout the state. And shall cause the provisions of this chapter. The bylaws, the rules, and regulations, and the policies of the State Board of Education... To be carried into effect The schools provided shall be of two kinds Those for white children And those for colored children Now now this is written when When we were having The problems that we were having Going to school with white people Okay I want y'all to listen very closely Since the schools for white children Shall be free for all white children Between the ages of 6 and 21 years Inclusive And the schools for colored children Should be free to all colored children Between the ages of 6 and 21 years Inclusive The schools for for white children Should be numbered And the schools for colored children Should be numbered And numbered prior to the year 1919 The State Board of Education Shall establish schools For the children of people called Moors or Indians And if any more for Indian schools in existence or shall be hereafter established, the State Board of Education shall pay the salary of any teacher or teachers thereof, provided that the school is open for the school sessions during the minimum number of days required by law for school attendance, and provided further that such schools shall be free to all children of people called Moors or the people called Indians. Between the ages of 6 and 21 years Now no white or colored children Shall have permitted to attend Such school without the permission Of the Without the permission of the state board of education The public schools Of the state Shall include elementary schools Which shall be of uh, such a number of grades At the state board of education 
All right, all the other shit is bullshit. Do you see how they have even made provisions in their Supreme Court cases, in their laws, for you? All right? Now, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into this Aboriginal land title. Uh, if you're in the chat and, you know, you want to go in overtime with us, you might want to call in a little early before we do that. We'll probably go a little bit in overtime. All right, we're going to take a real quick break. We're going to come back and talk about Aboriginal land title. All right, and then we're going to sum this up because this is really important. If you want to understand why these people have their sovereignty and you don't, why they can open up casinos and you can't, why they can uh, ride around and be taxes up, nigga, and you, you haven't done that yet, you need to look at what's happening. Nobody ever said you couldn't do those things. Nobody ever stopped you from doing those things. Nobody ever stops you from doing that. But you know what we don't do? We don't come together collectively. Everybody want to do shit on their own. Everybody want to do shit on their own. And then if we do come together collectively, we're not we're not doing the shit consistently. We got to be consistent with each other, man. Because everything that they have, we can have without having to go through the BIA and become U.S. citizens as a group all over again. You don't come out the Matrix to go back in it. All right? So we're going to take a real quick break. We'll we'll be right back. We're going to dive back into this. Don't go nowhere. Keep it locked. Take you to break with a little Nita Baker. We'll be right back.
Tune in every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on the bottom line with Joey L. On the new Evolution Radio Network. And why do I say that? Because after 46 years and teaching you morons for 23 years, you want to take the easy way out. Because you think life is a journey. That is horseshit. Life's a journey if you're a moron and you're retarded. That's why, you know, that's what, that's what you've done with the life up here to four. It's been a journey. And how good is the fucking journey? You tell me. Wouldn't you have rather, when the first time you went out with somebody that you thought you were in love with, thought is the operative word, wouldn't you have lied to have a, a template? Oh, let's follow this process instead of, because that is a journey. And all the mistakes you made and raising this fucking little shithead for kids you got, instead of having this book, life doesn't have to be a journey. It's a journey for morons. Do you think life is a journey for the Trump kids? It's a motherfucking process, the same process his daddy raised him by. Same for me. Life ain't a journey if you're my kid. It's a goddamn process. So you tell me if you're results-orientated at all, Who's better off, the journey or the process? And for the most part, most people in this room and most people listening on YouTube have to come to the realization, as sad as it is, that you have pissed, you have urinated, heretofore, up until this morning, your entire life down a fucking shithole. Very simple. That's it. If you want to create massive wealth, if you just want to be a happy, slappy housewife from fucking Dundee or a happy, slappy bimbo from fucking Toronto or a happy, slappy guy who goes to the Little League games in Mesa, Arizona, then that's okay. But if you want to create some fucking money, and money's not everything, but if you don't money, think money can buy happiness, you don't know where to fucking shop. Say that with an Irish accent. Okay. If you don't think money can buy happiness, you don't know where to shop. If you don't think money can buy happiness, you don't know where to shop. Correct. <laughs> uh, correct. And, but I mean, you can get money and then go save the world. You can get money and save the forests in Brazil. You make money and go save global warming, which I don't believe in. You can, I mean, and save the, uh, the kids in Biafra and all that shit. But without money, you can't save a fucking thing. Don't you understand? Don't the fucking idiots on YouTube understand that? Until you make some shekels. Until you make some fucking coin. You can't help anybody. Because if love got the job done, you wouldn't all be fucked up. And I've had mothers, daughters, grandfather, daughter, uh, son. I've run three generations of the gamut in this seminar here. And they all say the exact same thing. The daughter looks to the mother, you fucked me up. 
The, daughter, the mother looks to the father, you fucked me up. And they all agree. And where it really gets dicey is the second or, three day, second or third days after they have a few drinks, a few pops. Then it, gets, it can get fucking ugly, as Sally would say. Fucking ugly. Nothing like a mother to turn on her daughter or vice versa. Nothing like it. It's like in the fucking movies. It's like a goddamn soap opera. Because that's life. And if we admit it to ourselves, then we have an opportunity to move on. If we don't, then we're just fucked in the quagmire. When I was reading to prepare for this interview, I was quite surprised to see you use the word Aborigines talking about African Americans. You know, I've dealt with that issue. Um, I've already you know, talked publicly about that. And my purpose here today is to say that I'm very sorry and I apologize to anyone whose feelings were hurt by my comment. I've made very, very clear I don't know where that comment comes from. Um, well, from your subconscious. Well, I, I guess. I mean, it's not even a normal thing anyone would say, even if you meant something in a negative fashion. I don't know if you would pull that out. But for me personally, you can't just uh, close down camp and stop trying to do the things that you think are right. Uh, just because somebody you may, you may give them an unfortunate bit of ammunition, you still got to continue to fight on and, and do what's best for the state in the long run. And but frankly, it's going to give me the opportunity to you know talk about things that I may have never been able to talk about before. You mean the bill? Well, the bill, or talk about uh, you know uh, race relations issues, things like that. I mean, I have a freedom that a lot of people don't have because of that. Because you use the word aboriginal. Because I've been through the fire, and I can I can talk to people, I can relate to people, I can let them know what kind of person I am. And we can talk about things that sometimes have been, you know, a little bit taboo. So because it allowed you to reach audiences you might not otherwise have reached, do you not regret saying it? I think it gives me some opportunities. I went and spoke to a group in uh, the city of Birmingham. It was a uh, city councilwoman's uh, community meeting, probably 95% African American. And because of, you know, things that I regret, uh, offhand remark I should not have made. Using the word aboriginal. Right, offhand remark I should not have made. Which you don't want to say. Yeah, I know better. <laughs> the, um, uh, but what it allowed me to do, they actually listened to what I said, probably more than they would have anybody else, because they want to see, you know, this is that guy, this is that person. And we discussed immigration, we discussed uh, policy that deals with uh, the county locally, and there was the ability to actually get across some things that may have surprised them that they you know, realized, okay, I, this guy's making some good sense on some issues. I don't know if I would ever have had that door even opened if some of those things had not happened. So it, it really has worked as a positive uh, in a surprising way to me to allow me to, to interact with people. Your other incendiary quote was, empty the clip, the gun clip, juxtaposed with immigration, so people right. think that's what you meant. So how do you explain that? Well, it definitely had nothing to do with with violence against anyone. It was totally taken out of context. The purpose of it was I was telling an audience that we needed to exhaust all efforts to try to deal with a number of issues. But by the time it got through two or three newspaper filters, it was all over the country that I had advocated violence against immigrants. Nothing is farther from the truth. We back, we back. Peace to the God. I wanted to play that Aboriginal clip. You know, don't forget, man. They tell you all the time who you are, right? All right. So, 
you know, tonight we're talking about the difference between Aboriginal sovereignty and Native American sovereignty. And really, it's more pressing for me to go into why these people have gained their sovereignty and what they what what advantage, if it is even an advantage, that they seem to have over us and doing commerce, right? It's pretty straightforward. It's like, okay, well, they got amnesty. They got government immunity. You get that, well, shit. I guess you would have privileges. These are the same privileges that they grant corporations, right? In certain instances. Now, I want to read something to y'all, right? And this is important for us to understand the whole allotment of land, okay? The United States was the first jurisdiction to acknowledge the common law doctrine of aboriginal title, okay? Also known as original title or Indian title or Indian right of occupancy, okay? Now, Native American tribes and nations established aboriginal title by actual, continuous, and exclusive use and occupancy for a long time, okay? Now, individuals may also establish aboriginal title if their ancestors held title as individuals. Now, unlike other jurisdictions, the content of Aboriginal title is not limited to historical or traditional land uses. Aboriginal title may not be alienated except to the federal government or with the approval of Congress. So Aboriginal title is distinct from the lands of Native Americans, right, in the whole fee simple relationship, right, that, that's occupied under federal trust. Okay. Now, the power of Congress to extinguish Aboriginal title by purchase or conquest or with a clear statement is plenary and exclusive. Such extinguishment is not commensable under the Fifth Amendment, although various statutes provide for compensation. Unextinguished Aboriginal title provides for a federal common law cause of action for the ejectment or trespass that for which there is federal subject matter jurisdiction many potentially materious tribal lawsuits have been settled by by congressional legislation providing for the extinguishment of aboriginal title as well as monetary compensation or the approval of gaming and gaming enterprises See? now large scale compensatory litigation arose in 1940s Possessory litigation in the 1970s because of federal sovereign immunity, okay, which bars possessory claims against federal government, which means that these fucking Indian tribes that take these benefits can't turn around and sue daddy, okay. Now, although compensatory claims are possible by statute, the 11th Amendment bars both possessory and compensatory claims against the state, okay, unless the federal government intervenes. So yeah, no, it really ain't about, um, (laughs) look, unless the federal government intervenes, the 11th Amendment bars possessory and compensatory claims against the state. You can't come in and sue them. The U.S. Supreme Court rejected nearly all legal and equitable affirmative defenses in 1985. The Second Circuit, where most retaining possessory claims are pending, has held latches. Now, 
latches, if you don't know what latches are, refers to a lack of diligence and activity in making a legal claim or moving forward with the legal enforcement of a right, particularly in regard to equity. It is unreasonable delay that could be viewed as prejudicing the opposing parties. So when asserted in litigation, it is an equity defense, right? We all know those who want equity must give equity, right? So it's equity. That is the defense, the claim for an equitable, uh, equitable remedy. The person invoking latches is asserting that an opposing party has slept on his rights. And that as a result of the, of the delay, circumstances have changed. Witnesses or evidence may have been lost and no longer available, such that it is no longer just resolution to grant the plaintiff's claim. Latches is associated with the maximum of equity. Equity aids the villager, not the sleeping one. <laughs> Those who sleep on their rights have none. So put it another way, failure to assert one's rights in a timely manner can result in a claim being barred by latches. So, yeah, every time people have tried to come forth and claim their aboriginal land, they haven't been able to because either they were U.S. citizens or they were under tribal jurisdiction. Okay. Now, before 1763, the colonial history of the United States was characterized by private purchases of land from Native Americans. Most of the earliest deeds in the eastern states purport uh, to commemorate such transactions. The Royal Proclamation of 1763 changed matters, reserving for the Crown the exclusive right of preemption, requiring all purchases to have royal approval. It was also uh, the attempt to restrain colonial settlement west of the Appalachian Mountains. Okay? See, I want y'all to see. I mean, this is real shit. Everything we're talking about, right? So the whole power of your Aboriginal title and your Aboriginal sovereignty was stripped away from you through the 14th Amendment, right? And then, you know, you know, slowly over that, they eroded any chance that you would have to try to come back and say, hey, this is my particular status under the law. It's a real mind fuck when you think about it. It's a constant erosion on your rights. Constant. Now, um, if you go under, and I'll, I'll give you the title of the American Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. Okay, there's that. You can pull that up, which was adopted uh, at the third plenary session, June 15th, 2016. Okay, then there's the United Nations. Declarations of Rights for Indigenous Peoples, all right, which which is I really like that one. That was done in two thousand and seven. Okay, and I mean it's a very long document, but you know, um, I'll, I'll read a little bit here. Let me see here, just a second. Okay, here we go. I'll just read Article Eight. Number one, Indigenous peoples have and individuals have the right not to be subject to forced assimilation or destruction of their culture. Number two, states shall provide effective mechanisms for prevention of and redress for A, any action which has the aim or effect of depriving them of their integrity as distinct peoples or of their cultural values of ethnic identities. 
any B, any action which has the animal effect of dispossessing them of their land, their territories, and their resources. C, any form of forced population transfer, which has the animal effect of violating or undetermining any of their rights. D, any form of forced assimilation or integration. E, any form of propaganda designed to promote or incite racial ethnic discrimination directed against them. Okay? Nine. Articles, uh, excuse me, Article 9. Indigenous people have the right uh, to belong to an indigenous community or a nation in accordance with the tradition and the customs of the community or the nation concerned. No discriminatory of any kind may arise from the exercise of such rights. Okay? And I'll read a couple more here. Article 10. Indigenous people should not be forcibly removed from their lands or territories. No relocation should take place without the free, prior, or informed consent of indigenous peoples concerned and after agreed on or just in the fair compensation. Now, you know, most, some states, I don't want to say most, but some states have even adopted this shit, right? So it's up to you to go to your state too, like California's adopted it, uh, Oklahoma has adopted it, right? Very few states have, but overall, in general, we're talking about Aboriginal title, Aboriginal land, Aboriginal recognition. Okay? Now, I suggest that you take it upon yourself and go look up these so-called federally recognized tribes and then understand that like I told you earlier, they said the reason why most people, uh, you know, having claimed these unclaimed tribes, these unregistered tribes that they call them, are because these people, these so-called people, have died off. Now I happen to believe that you can become recognized, right, as your own separate government. Governmental tribal entity, if you will, right? Even by the feds, if you want it, by the federal government, if you wanted to. I happen to believe that that could happen without you actually registering it. I think that it could happen if you will follow the actual laws as they have been written. This is why I read to you the whole shit with the Brown versus Board of Education. They write, they wrote more into the laws, so. By, by virtue of their own confessions, they would have to recognize who you are anyway. This is why when you do your passport, your birth certificate, and all that shit, if you do it correctly under AUSD, they recognize you. There's, there's no, oh, you get benefits and all this. No, no we, have, we recognize you. We know who you are. We know what, you know, you, you are... Um, Entitled to without us having to tell you and then give it to you as a privilege. You're entitled to go do that shit. You're entitled to do trade how you want to do trade. Do commerce how you want to do commerce. Set your business up how you want to set your business up. Put your kids in whatever schools you want to or start your own school. You're entitled to this shit because they already know it. Alright? So, take some time. Go through it. And really familiarize yourself with why these people have sovereignty and why you have sovereignty. Your sovereignty is really not that much different. But the problem is, is that you didn't ask for amnesty, right, which is federal protection. 
Because remember, they pocket shit. So unless you got a bunch of bread, you going out and buying your own land, you're going to expect for them to give you something. Don't expect for that shit to just come without a string attached. All right, call lines is open. We're going to go to the call line. Uh, let's go to 718-926. You're on the bottom line. What's happening? Seven one eight nine two six. All right, moving on. Nine zero one three two five. What up? What's going on? Peace to the gods, man. What up? What up? Peace to the gods. <sighs> yeah, I was listening to you about the um, not having to pay the taxes and things of that sort. But uh, <clears throat> what I was uh, man trying to trying to get a grasp on is uh, so even with us even us working these jobs like for for instance right I got like my own own company that I'm you know where I'm uh, driving trucks but at the end of the year I still have to file something how do I go about you know what I'm saying like what what moves would I have to take to where I don't have to pay anything well the thing is yeah the thing is is first of all you gotta remember that Anytime you file a tax, that's voluntary. All right, that's the first thing. Right. All right. So right. nobody ever tells you to do that shit. You do it because that's what you believe you need to do to get a refund check. Because you want a refund. Yeah, because you want a refund check. That's why most niggas do it. Okay. That's the first right. thing. The second thing is is that if you was taking all of your any any earned income that you call earned income, you got a DBA stuff, uh-huh. and you take that earned income and then you automatically donate it to uh let's say a religious trust or a religious organization, then you okay. didn't incur no tax. Right. We, we gave all that money okay. back to God. I, right. I get that. Okay, so that's how I need to go about doing it from this day forward then, right? That's how I would do it. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you receive, if you can 99 like that, you, yeah, that's the best way to do it. Best way to do it. Okay. Because the reason I asked that was, and I'm glad you, you, you brought that subject up, was because, you know, I had like a little child support issue. And, um, you know, uh, man, I'm, I've been in the process of, you know what I'm saying, sending in my paperwork, the rescission, the signature, uh, you know, uh, just doing the rebuttal uh, or the affidavit. And uh, just, I, I recently just, just did all of that. So I, I was waiting on a response from them and everything like that. But, uh, you know, I had, I had received, like, a little letter in the mail, you know, saying that okay. they was going to take the taxes, you know. And um, that's why I was like, damn, well, shit, I'm trying to see, do I even need to file these motherfuckers here? Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, well, if you it, file it, them, they're going to take them. Right, right. So, that's, yeah, that's, that's what I was trying to get out of. Yeah. Man. But, uh Okay, it was a yep. book that I heard you mention. I'm trying to see if I got that book down right. Uh, was it uh, Aboriginal which, which Tribe of America? Yeah, the Aboriginal Tribes of America. It's a PDF you can find. A PDF. Okay, I'm going to go and uh, look that one up. Uh, and, man, get on that one, too. It's an old book. It's an old, old book that the Library of Congress got up on their website that you can pull. And it's uh, it's a, it basically, it's one of them accounts where somebody went around and they 
and they visited all of the tribes that were here in America, and they and they wrote and they wrote about the customs and the shit that they did and how they lived. Like for instance, they talked right. about how over one period of time they would see that the, the men could take as many women as they wanted to in the village as long as they could feed them. You know, if you could go out and catch ten fish okay. a day. And they, that, and they just could have five wives. They could give each of them two fish, that type of shit, right? Um, but then right, as, right. as customs changed and Europeans began to come into the settlements and shit, right? And, it, and the Christianity became more prevalent than a lot of the tribes as they started switching over, changed their customs. And so when they changed their customs over, then the men could only take one wife. Right. Oh, okay. It goes into a lot okay. of that type of shit. It's a good book to go into. It also will tell you what part of the country different tribes is in. Right. Okay, okay. Hey, um, another thing was not to just jump off the subject. I was, um, you know, I had did my, um, my, uh, I had been in the archives listening to uh, basically how to do the, in, the injunction and everything like that. So when I did my injunction, I was noticing that I was listening to a new uh, one in the archives about how you're supposed to actually get back, like, the, the green card. If, and I did mine like, register restricted mail, right? But okay. in Tennessee, man, the post office that, that we have out, out here in Tennessee, man, they don't give you the green cards back for register restricted. They only give it to you back for certified when you send it out certified, right? Uh- I don't, I don't, and, I don't know, think I've, I, I don't think I've ever seen the green cards come back for register restriction. To be honest with you, man. Oh, okay. But, but in certain they certain states, back for, like I was in, I, so yeah. only 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 when it's certified, right? Yeah, the, 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 the okay. one that, the one for the register mail is supposed to be red when it comes back. The one for certified is supposed to be green. Green, right? So register restricted, yep. they don't they don't send us anything back. No, they don't send you shit back. That's why I do certified. You can do certified. Oh, okay, so I'm certified restricted. So that means that I need to just go back in and just redo all of it over and send it back certified to make sure I get that green copy then, right? Yep, and then if you want to still restrict it to the person that you're sending it to, you just make sure you put attention and all that and then still restrict it to them. Okay, okay, man. Well, that that's basically all 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 I needed to uh to find out about, man. Uh, I'm gonna fall back and keep listening. Yeah, uh, under the UCC, just remember under the UCC, all that shit falls under like restricted restricted endorsement and shit like that. So, you, you know, you might want to right. look at look at that under the UCC. Yeah. Okay, okay, God. Well, man, I appreciate that. Okay, God. Yeah, no doubt. Peace all right, let's go to one more time. Seven one eight nine two six. You there? Seven one eight nine two six. All right, three one three four nine. Peace to the gods. Three one three four oh nine. What are you niggas doing in the background? Three one three. All right, moving on. Eight one three four three one. What up? What up, Joe? Peace to the God. They ain't listening. That's what they're doing. 
you know, since you know, why you want to? I told him forward everything to the attorney general and let him know what's going on. It, th- it seems to wow. me, it seems to me, brother, it seems to me that they're playing with you. But what I would do, is you have an option. You, can go, yeah, you have options, you can go over there. It's always an option. Now, check it out, right? What, what we're really talking about is whoever you're dealing with, whoever you've been corresponding with, maybe you need to go over that person's head at that particular office. Okay? Maybe it's not, you know, necessary for you to go all the way up there. Because you, you need to look at the chain of command. Who's on that chain of command there in that particular division? And then, and now here's the other thing. Your signature is your private property. You need to request that shit again. I request specifically for y'all to send me my signature on anything that my signature's on. Or I'm going to sue you niggas for not doing it. Because I know that y'all got shit with my signature on it. You gotta get a little, you gotta get a little, little bulldog to shit. Yeah, I see. I was trying to be courteous, you know. I was trying to be courteous. Yeah. He was kind of nice, so you know. So I had a direct number, so I guess I gotta get. It. Okay, it's all good. But all right, yeah. Yeah. I got now, another now, one. Now, now, what you, now, now what you can do is, if you still got the direct number, call him back and have a conversation with him before you go there. Tell him, listen, I'm not telling you what I'm asking you for. What's the problem? What needs to be done? You know, you can you can take that method too. Yeah, because I mean, we had a nice conversation. I told you specifically what I wanted. Anything that I they, signed they, they with, with him, y'all. Yeah, they call him back and say, hey, listen, I think you made a bit of a mistake. You guys didn't tell me specifically what I asked for. Was, was there a reason behind that? And then, and, and then see what they tell you. They give you some bullshit like, oh, we can't send you a signature or something. Then that's when you say, okay, all right, thank you. And then you send them a nice letter. Okay. Uh, when you're doing a court of satisfaction, you send the certified, registered, or, or you can send a court of satisfaction. You can send a court of satisfaction like regular certified mail, just like a regular, just like it's, it's going like a regular payment. And I need to send that notary presentment. I would. Well, no, 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 no. You don't have to. Not, not with that, because the reason why is. Court satisfaction is more of a subtle thing. I'm gonna send it to you with the verbiage, and if you cash the shit, then we in there. So it don't matter who cashed it, whether it's the state or I just need to send a letter. I know, no representing. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right, Joey. Yeah, man. I appreciate it, man. Like I said, man, I appreciate you standing on the line and getting all of us, man. That's definitely good dude shit, man. I appreciate that, man. Peace to the God. Oh, man. yeah. No doubt, bro. Peace to the God. Peace to the God, bro. Thank you, bro. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's see here. Uh, 347 319. On the bottom line, what's up? Peace to the God. Peace to the God. Jeez, Joe. Hey, hey. That information, man, you brought about the article, man. Article 1, Section 2, Clause 3. Serious. Yeah. Yo, you know a lot of people don't don't even know that, bro. I'm like, it's right there. That's what's so crazy about it. But but here's the problem: niggas who claim to be Indian, which we know is a misnomer, don't actually really get that benefit all the time because normally they're under, like, for instance, like, all right, their land is being taxed because it's given to them, right? 
so they got to pay taxes on that shit. But nigga, if they was enforcing the Constitution, <laughs> that shit would apply. Bro, shit is so crazy. You got dudes, they don't even know if there's pyramids on this land. Well, all of them oldest in the world. They don't even know that. Man, we're some of the most powerful people on the planet. And yeah, yeah, and yeah, we keep, yeah, yeah, we fall into destruction all the time, over and over. I'm like, man, all we gotta do is open our eyes, man. Start, start actually, you know, opening up our, 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 our minds and our hearts to the information and to each other. Yeah, bro, I shot you that text, like you know, man. We looking forward to y'all coming, man, for real. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I look forward to coming to New York. It's always, it's always good. It's always good out there, man. A lot of love out there. I like New York. So we're gonna be in the house. Man. Yeah, bro. Yeah, man. You, you know what you say, bro? casa, bro. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt, man. We're gonna be right in the heart. <laughs> We're going to be right in the heart. You got the question? Time anything, y'all? Yeah, otherwise than that, you know what, man? want to tell you, good looking on that remedy that you gave me in regards to the matrimonial thing. But Shorty, Shorty was crazy what? about she didn't want to come to the plate. So, like John always said, all roads oh, need to court. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're talking about, yeah, with the, with the compromise yeah. situation, right? Yeah. 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 Sorry that didn't work out for you, man. You know, that, that that's always an option that you try to take, you know? Right, you know, if it don't work out, then you gotta take the next option. But unfortunately, our women they they like to do they they I don't know why they like to go through that fight, man. I don't understand it. Hey, more than one. But, but you know what? But you know what, God? That, that's a that's a part of 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 that complex that we have, where you know, um, we our, our women tend to look at white men like the savior, so. We got to, that's why we got to get on our shit. Yo, facts, and sometimes you know? they just be out there themselves, like, they just be out there, like, <laughs> hot girl summer, nigga. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wild girl summer, bro. Yo, peace to the gods, man, I see you, man. They wild out here, yo, peace to the gods. Alright, let me see here. Alright, let's go to the next one. Um eight one three four three one. You're on the line. Eight one three four three one. Peace, Joy, my bad. You were talking about mute, my bad. Peace, guys. Okay. Peace, yeah. Yeah, we just we just had a little combo. I want to ask you about some detox, man. I need some detox off your website. I was trying to detox. Oh yeah, man. yeah, you can place? order, man. I got, man, you know what, man? We was behind because, uh, cause cause my, my guy had a little situation, so we we just now picked it back up on herb orders too. So if you want to put an order in? You can put one in now. Um, we got a couple orders that just went out, um, and so we 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 really the thing about the herbs is that people don't order them as much as they probably should. So we actually, we be having a lot of them, and then when niggas order, we run out real quick because there's so much of it, you know. Um, but, yeah, man, if you want to put an order in, go ahead, put an order in. We'll get something out there. Yeah, man. 
And we got, and we got the show butter in now, too. Yeah, I'm trying to get, like, some recommendations, man, on what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to do a full detox. So, so what would you recommend off of that, man? We're going to do a full – if we're going to do a full detox, you normally want to try to do all of the teas. You want to do each formula, like one through ten or whatever it is. One and through no nine. specific orders with the with, – yeah, with the exception of the female. And the reason why you do that is, you know, you start with each organ and you clean each organ of the body. And as you clean each organ, you know, you go through each system. You clean your lymphatic system, your excretory system, and then, you know, you, you clean your gut. And, you know, so you clean your stomach and your blood and your liver. So you got to clean everything. So each T is to hit each, you know, each specific organ. The T's, I ain't going to lie, they're bitter as motherfuckers. So you got to gotta make sure you got you some some agave or something around, you know. And, 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 <laughs> or, you know, what's really good is to get you some natural stevia leaf. You sprinkle a little bit in your tea, it makes the tea sweet. I mean, how much you ain't got to drink, but what, about a cup or two? No, 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 it's a gallon. It's a gallon. Each bag makes a gallon. Yeah, each bag makes a gallon. So you drink a gallon of the tea, uh, I recommend that you do it one gallon a day. You can get to a gallon a day, you're a beast. Oh, so you do do each tea, each different tea each day. So you do one tea a day. Man, you're, that, that listen, you're a beast. You get to, if you can get through that, you're a beast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you. On, I'm telling you. Uh, you get that shit, you are a beast, man. Uh, it ain't because you know the turpentine. No, well, no, it, it definitely ain't worth the turpentine. is like a one-time, you know, and, and you out kind of thing. The, the teas. You got to be able to sit around and, and drink that shit, man. That shit ain't no joke. <laughs> okay. Wow. Hey, shit, I need it, to get it ain't for the plane of heart. i tell you that. Man, you want to live. You got to do what you got to do, man. I need something. I got to I'm trying to detox, man. That's why I get clean, man. Just get a better focus. Well, I, te- I tell you like this, man. You know, everybody got detox, bro. Like, you know, I was hanging out yesterday, you know what I'm saying? And, nigga, I, I had some crab legs, nigga. And I was like, I know damn well I ain't supposed to eat this shit. But, you know, but, but you know, I, I know, I also know exactly how to go detox. You know what I'm saying? Which, which, which is equally important because it's like you got to live in moderation, man. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. So if you're going to eat and you're going you know, to put some shit in your body, you damn sure better know that you're going to clean it out or know how to clean it out. Yeah, Definitely. Definitely. That's yeah. what I'm trying to. Well, yeah, just start, right, man. You know, if, even if you don't want to listen, even if you don't want to start with everything, man, I say clean your blood, clean your gut. You know, those are two important things to clean. Yeah. And clean your and oh. cl- clean your lymphatic system. You want to get all the trash out. Those are three important things to clean. Your blood, and your lymph, and your gut. See, my lungs too. I've been smoking that. Weed for so long. Oh yeah, and your lungs. If you've been smoking mm. that, if you've been smoking that sticky with you, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it's sticky icky. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> yeah, all right, man. Definitely want to clean that tobacco, that tobacco lung. Yeah, so. definitely that. Okay, yeah, definitely, man. I appreciate you, Joe. Thank you again, man. Peace. Okay, God. God. No problem. Peace. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to go back to these other callers one more time. Seven one eight nine two six 
Are you there? 718. 718. Yo, yo, I'm here, God. Can you hear me? All right, there you go. Nigga, I was getting to hang up on you. <laughs> What's going on, man? Peace to the God. Hey, shit, God. Just, just, just locked in, bro. To the info. I know you dropping that okay. shit. Okay, no doubt, no doubt. I seen you had your hand up, which is crawling on you. Yeah, I did have one question, Joey. Um, I was um working my estate number, trying to open an account with um. Discover card. They want me to do a W nine. Um, really? Yeah. As a private contractor. Yeah, that's a fact. I never heard of that before. What are you? Are you I was trying to think if I should keep going to, through with it. Well, are you are you doing it as a business? Or are you doing it as a as a individual? How are you trying to get the card? Yeah, like I'm just doing, I'm just doing it regular, like taking the state number and acting like it's the social. You know what I mean? Just trying to act regular with it. Well, I mean, they want you to do a W nine. I don't know why they would want you to do W nine now. Yeah, that's a fact. So should I just? Um, you know, you you you're not. I could put you like this. You don't have to fill out that form, but if you fill it mm-hmm. out, you may want to be a little bit ambiguous about how you fill it out. That that's what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? Should, should you know what I'm saying? Cause like, yeah. I don't really like that. You might just go somebody else, but fuck the stuff. You start yeah, filling out so forms I'm... and shit, and you know what I'm saying? Niggas start getting information on you. You don't never know what paper trail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I might just say fucking go with somebody else, God. That's an awesome I, don't, I don't never have. I don't never remember it filling out a W nine. Check this out. Try Capital One or American Express. Um, you know, try some other avenue and then come back to Discover. Why, why is why specifically is Discover making you put down a W nine? Have they told you why? Nah, hell nah. Nah. So. They ain't even gave you no reasoning behind that. You might want to call them to find out why. That shit's voluntary like a motherfucker. Uh-oh. I think we lost him. Oh, I lost him, brother. He, he lost him. He dropped. All right. So, that's it, man. We're going to be in New York this week coming up. Let's see you register makemorecommerce.com. John the Bay and myself. We're going to be in New York, man. I look forward to seeing y'all. If you got a product out there, uh, I'm going to be sending out more products tonight and tomorrow. If I got consultation with you and we ain't caught up, just reach out to me and I'll reschedule you. No problem. All right? All right, man. With that being said, I'm going to say peace to everybody. Y'all have a great week. Stand on your square. Stay productive. Don't Oh, don't forget to register, man. If you got a business, go register on my site. Go register. Most of y'all spent money with me, man. Go register for your business so we can start doing commerce with each other. All right? That's real important. All right? That's portal. We setting that portal up. Go register. We'll have the portal set up soon. I'm going to say peace to the guys. So we up out of here, man. I'm going to take y'all out with a... Uh, take y'all out with a little something. Peace to the guys. We out.
on this. But I want to ask you here, because I think this is a question that comes up a lot, especially when it comes to talking about the soul and what yes. role the actual soul plays with us. You know, we have the mind, the body, and some yeah. would say the soul and the connection that it plays in our transformation as becoming gods and goddesses yes. walking on this earth. What is that connection between the soul, and, and, and what do we need that for in our transformation? The soul is all there really is. Everything else is a projection of the soul. And this particular soul, when it starts to wake itself up, which is a sun, S-U-N-S-O-N. Right. You see what I'm saying? A star. Every man, every woman is a star. Whenever it starts to wake itself up, it, it, it does various things. Some souls are still asleep. So, therefore, in place of it, the ego exists and su- supposes itself to be the individual. That's most people. But then, but then when the soul starts to wake up, it starts to send signals to the consciousness to remember itself. So you start reading, you start studying, and you start, you know, going into this particular consciousness. Now, there's several distractions in there because when the soul is trying to do it, the ego is still involved, and it's a hard process because you can get distracted again, which means the ego can go, hey, this soul is waking up, but I still love it. I want to be, I want to exist. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to take a part of this knowledge that ultimately will wake this soul up, and I'm going to have this person get locked in one of the areas of the knowledge. And it will suppose itself it's being knowledge, but because it is locked into one area, that's nothing but a form of ego. Mm-hmm. That's why they say master nothing. That's so the right. story goes in the, in, the, in the Holy Grail. They got a, 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 a knight called Parzival. Parzival is a knight who was raised in the country by his mother. His father was a knight. The father gets killed. The mother says, it's a horror story, basically. The father was a knight. The father gets killed. The mother said, I don't want him to be no knight. So she raises him way in the woods. And he plays with nature and everything. And so one day, he's out there in the woods, and he sees a shining knight in a silver shining suit. And he said, oh, my God, that's God. So he runs and tells his mom, he runs and tells his mama, say, Mom, I want to be a knight. And she almost faints. But she knows he's getting to be 18 now. And she can't hold him forever. So she has one of these plans. She takes him and, and shows him up a court gesture's uniform and says, this is the uniform of a knight. So her plan is when he comes there looking like a clown at King Arthur's court, they, they will laugh him out of the court and he will run back home and never want to be a knight again. So he rides off to King Arthur's court. As soon as he rides off, she falls off dead. And the reason why she falls out dead, because when you're on this bridge, if you try to go backwards, you fall, fall, fall. You can never go backwards. You can never go home. So now, so what happens here is he gets to the court, night's court, and they are laughing and laughing and laughing at him with his court just in such a ridiculous outfit till it gets the ear of King Arthur. Thus, he he's able to go into, it works the opposite. He's able to go right in front of King Arthur because of this funny outfit. And later on, he ends up becoming a knight, but all of the, this is, now this is the key, all of the knights were proficient and masters, but they were always masters at one discipline. 
Right. Which means that you're still locked in a box. Whereas Parzival, because he was not raised into knighthood and came from humble origins, he was able to get the Holy Grail when the other ones were not able to get the Holy Grail. The Holy Grail is, i.e., his own soul and rise to the God level. That's what the mystery is. He is able to get the Holy Grail for the simple fact that by him not mastering the discipline, he was able to ride through all of the disciplines. You see what I'm saying? And get the, and, and get the, his own soul. So mastering, you master something, but if you master one section, you're only inflating your ego. By him being the divine fool, which is the tarot card, it's called the fool. And it is the only tarot card that can be used throughout the entire deck. It masters all. So that's what the humility is. So in so many words, you have to trick the ego to keep letting you go. So give me an example. Um, back in 08, back in 98, I, I produced my dark side lectures and started explaining all this stuff based on the dark side. Right. Now, I became famous with it, but I could have used it as a theology and said, that's what I'm an expert at, and that's all I'm going to do. Right. And I would have got stuck. Hell, I'm talking about fucking archangels now <laughs> in the relationship. So you never get stuck. You never turn anything into a theology. And that is the reason why most of these systems that people initiate in, they're never going to work because they are only a fragment of something. And ultimately, the ego can latch on to that. So in so many words, the soul sends this particular information so it can get to know itself, so it can remember who it is. You see what I'm saying? But the ego is there for a distraction. But the soul is all there really is. And it's an entire maze between the soul and you. And you. And so what you have to ultimately do is to surrender and give up and say, I don't exist. So what I had to do is I had to get rid of Bobby Hemmings. Right. You see, and all that was dear to me, you see. That way you can eliminate the possibility of the ego latching on. Bobby Hemmings ain't around now for the ego to latch on. You see what I'm saying? I ain't got no goddamn scruples. <laughs> None. No scruples whatsoever. You see what I'm saying? Right. You know. Tune in every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on the bottom line with Joey L. On the new Evolution Radio Network.